Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens One on Instagram, and this is a super, super special episode of Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 335 featuring Medi Cropper. I hope you guys have had a wonderful Monday. I know I have. Looking forward to this special episode for about a week now. Uh, Medi Cropper, can you tell us how you're doing? And if we can't find you, I guess we've been under a rock, but I guess you can help us find you as well. How you doing and where can we find you, good sir? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm on the west coast of the U.S. right now in Oregon. I'm doing awesome. I'm actually at my grow, just chilling, so having a good night. Well, I'd like to take this time and tell you again, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart, not just for myself, but from the community as well. Uh, I know I consider you to be a legend as well as I know many, many of my peers do as well. So thank you for taking the time to do this. And uh, thank you for all the knowledge you've dropped out through all the years as well. Uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing this, what you've done through the years. Yeah, you know, I, it was a lot of trial and error, but uh, I shared I shared my good times and my bad times with everybody. So I, I'm just happy to uh, have provided people information that they can build off and become better growers with. So that's the important thing. Well, we know a lot about your work, but uh, this show is an opportunity to learn a little bit about the person and about what they're up to currently. So any chance you could help us uh, learn a little bit more about it? When was, uh, when was the first time that uh, you dealt with cannabis? When was the first time you experienced cannabis? When did cannabis come into your life, my friend? That's a good question that's never been answered publicly. And uh, I've kept that a secret for a long time. And I really, I've never told anyone how long it's been since I started growing weed. However, I will tell you guys tonight because, you know, I'm not, I haven't been posting lately. I'm kind of over the whole, the whole thing. I mean, I'd like to post. It's just that I'm busy doing other things now. Uh, so I will say that when I started making YouTube videos, I had a lot of people follow me pretty fast because there weren't a lot of people growing weed on YouTube and I was doing a good job pretty good job and people assume that I had been growing weed for a long time and the fact of the matter is I did not start growing weed until 2000 let me just think here um 2009 July July of 2009 is when I started growing weed and I started because my buddy he was starting to sell clones in Washington and I was living in Oregon at the time and I was working a corporate job and it sucked having to be sitting at a desk from eight to five every day. And he said, ditch that place, come up here. We'll start selling clones. I said, okay. So I went up there and we started selling clones and that's the first time I ever grew weed. I didn't, we didn't even do a flower room for, several months after that we just strictly did clones we had some shitty moms you know some of them were in five gallon buckets from home depot some of them were in clay flower pots maybe we had one or two in an actual like black plastic pot 
and we were cutting clones and selling clones to medical marijuana patients. I got my card, he had his card, and we were doing it medically legal. But that's when I started, summer 2009. And I started making videos in like 2010. Yeah, like early 2010, maybe. So I hadn't been growing long when I started making videos. But I, I literally dedicated every waking moment of my life to growing weed. So... It's not like I was one of those guys that grew grew weed for 25 years, but it was just a small closet grow. I mean, literally every waking moment of my life, I was either researching how to grow weed better or I was in the garden with the plants. So I was able to progress pretty fast compared compared to most people that were growing weed at the time. Well, I would say that you uh, nailed it, (laughs) my friend, Uh, because you did, man. You took off and took took a hold it took running very quickly it seemed on a very large scale no even prior like did gardening experience or uh nothing prior to this i had a bonsai tree i got that for my birthday one year when i was a teenager and i killed it about three days later the tree was 16 years old when i got it as a present and it lasted about three days i decided to trim the roots and i just killed the thing so actually zero plant or gardening experience before that wow i would have to compare that to like a singer somebody with natural talent then that just needed a little bit of coaching to bring it out because it seems like uh you definitely have a natural knack for it for sure and have been able to crush it since you've started not only, you know, crush it, but to come in and fix, <laughs> fix uh, messed up growths. I've watched you come into a few grows that were just ugh, nightmares, nothing short of nightmares. And you've got them back up and running in a short time, short order for sure. Yeah, and I, I have done that. You know, I, I took over a buddy's grow, the guy that I started growing weed with. Eventually, we parted ways and... We had our own places and he had a house that he was growing in the basement and he was getting like eight pounds off of 16 lights or something like that. And I came in and I said, I said, listen, let me run your grow for you one round and we will split the weed that we get from it. And you won't ever have to come to the house or anything. Cause he lived like 40 minutes away at the time. And I went in there and I saved that grow. My first crop, I got like 24 pounds off of it. So his cut was 12 pounds, which was 50% more than he would have gotten had he been running it himself. And, you know, I did, I'm like, you want to do another round? I did another round with it and got like 30 pounds off of that. So we each got 15 pounds. Yeah. And then this last one that I took over, uh, this big one, I haven't made a video recently. I think it's maybe been a long time since I made a video. I just really don't pay attention, but it is, we're crushing it now. We're absolutely crushing it. The rooms are dialed in. And everything is great in these rooms. So I probably should make a video. I just got to get around to doing that. So what were the, what were some of the uh, strains you were working with when you first started taking uh, cuts and doing the clones? So we were up in Seattle and I'm, I'm from the Seattle area. So I had moved down to Oregon after college for a job to Portland, and then I moved back up. Don't Please don't ever think that I'm from Oregon. Just because I'm here now, and I was there before I started growing weed, 
trust me, Oregon is not my state. That being said, uh, when I moved up there, we got some clones from a guy that my friend knew. We had White Widow. We had Blue Rhino. Purple Arrow, which I'd really like to get back. And I know someone that has it. That's an amazing strain. It just doesn't yield big. Um, we had Soma A+, which is an old school strain. Blueberry, Permafrost. Uh, another one called 27 that just sucked. It was just some seed that the guy popped and it's just garbage weed. Like that's the type of strain that, that puts a new grower out of business fast. Like you don't get good genetics when you start growing. You get something like that strain 27, you might as well just quit growing weed because you're not going to be successful. Luckily, we made it through that. So we yeah, have some old school strains. I had Romulan. Yeah. Then I ended up getting some seeds, bought seeds for the first time. And that's maybe like, the, that's the first time I ever popped seeds. And the second time I ever popped seeds was less than a year ago. I'm not a seed guy. So, oh, maybe I did it one more time in between that. But yeah, those are the old school strains I was working with. And we were fortunate enough. And at the time, it was very hard to come by good genetics. And we actually had some really good genetics. So definitely, definitely made our success, you know, more than what it would have been. How come seed? No, how come you're not a seed guy? You just don't. Uh, you seem very business uh, orientated. So is that the reason there? Just time and money. No time to hunt out and uh, find out, find new phenols, or you just uh, want a quick flip. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, I I just I've never been able to afford to pop seeds. Not that I can't afford the seeds, it's that I can't afford the time and effort and money that you lose by popping seeds. And that's really what it comes down to. I know guys like to pop seeds and they're like really passionate about passionate about finding new things. It's just that's not my style. It's like so expensive, wasting the, the space and the time to work on the plants, only for them to turn out to be males or, you know, some bad, bad geno of the strain. It's like I'd rather just get the cut that I know is awesome and grow it. And that is very business oriented for sure. So were you a user of cannabis before all this? I mean, were you a regular smoker at that point, even though it was a, you know, a nine to five kind of business desk job type uh, atmosphere? So in high school, I had a girlfriend that smoked weed and I broke up with her for it. And I never smoked weed. And the thing that the thing that really intrigued me about cannabis, my grandmother got cancer and I was searching for ways for her to either cure her cancer or at least make it easier on her. And when I was Googling all this, I came across marijuana. And I had that buddy that was, I knew he had a, a small marijuana garden at the time. So that's when I started talking to him about it because I saw like the Rick Simpsons oil and what that was doing for people. So the, the reason, the kind the thing that kind of pushed me into the cannabis industry was the fact that my grandma got cancer. I did this research and I realized, Hey, weed is not that bad of a drug. Actually it has great medical, you know, effects. So that along with my buddy doing the clones when he invited me to come do that i'm like yeah like i kind of see that it has value so or at the time i saw that it for sure had a lot of value 
So that's what I went, why I went into it. But up until then, I had never consumed marijuana. To this day, I've still never smoked it. I have eaten edibles maybe as much as many as six or seven times in my life. And that's like only if I've been really, really sick with the flu. That's the only time. So how come you don't uh, prefer to smoke it? You just uh, don't like the way it makes you feel or it just isn't uh, a necessary part of life. You just, you're fine with that. No, I mean, I'll, no judgment you, here. I, yeah, either yeah, way. I'll tell you. So my whole life I was an athlete and I was also very lazy. And all these other people in sports with me were all hitting the weight room and like going to practice and trying their hardest and doing whatever they could to be the best. And I was, I was so lazy. I didn't want to do shit. Okay. I just wanted to hang out and eat cereal. And I had natural talent in sports and I relied on that to be good enough to compete with everyone else. And I felt that if I smoked, my lungs would not be able to get as much ox- as much oxygen And because of that, I would fall behind and probably either have to like work harder to keep up or just like quit sports entirely. So the reason why I never smoked weed is because I didn't want to do any damage to my lungs. That way I could still be as lazy as possible, but still be able to compete in sports. And then it just kind of stuck. And then, I mean, I don't really exercise now, like very little. I'm not really doing sports, but I still just don't smoke. I just, you know, I just never even crossed my mind to smoke anything because I just try and keep my lungs healthy, I guess. But the edibles, man, eating those edibles, they will fuck you up. And that's exactly what they've done to me in the past. They do. They do. I enjoy some good edibles as well. But have it has, you know, I kind of find that, I don't know, a little bit odd, to be honest with you. Just because it seems like, and it could be completely off base here, but it just seems like it would be able, you'd be able to tune in a little bit greater. Not that you don't have incredible skills with this plant by any means, but it just seems like it would be easier to naturally dial in some things. Or maybe I'm on the, on the other end of this. Maybe it heightens your senses, you know, past of what a normal person you know what i'm saying it could be quite the opposite do you find do you think that could be the case in the garden i would say that and i i consider myself to be pretty humble okay even though maybe i come across as arrogant sometimes i would say that by me not smoking weed that is a big hindrance when it comes to you know being able to grow better weed or like you know, even flushing, like, did I flush this well? I don't smoke it, so I can't tell if it's harsh, you know? Is this strain worth growing? Like, is it strong enough? Right now, I got this strain, it's Zen Chem. It's a cross between Zen, which is like a hemp strain, and Chem Dog. So it's like a CBD hybrid. And it's just beautiful. It grows so nicely. It's dark purple. It's just a beautiful plant. And I just want to grow the shit out of it. But I don't know if it's even strong enough. Like, I think it'll still be good in the retail stores because it's that CBD hybrid. But one of my, one of my buddies came by today and he had smoked some. He's like, dude, it didn't even give me a buzz or anything. Of course he smokes like all day and he smokes really strong stuff, but yeah, like it's definitely hinders me 
when growing because number one, I don't know the effects of some of these strains. And number two, which is number two is not really big, but like if I happen to maybe not flush enough, you know, I can't tell if it's like too harsh or something like that. But I always just make sure I flush plenty. But uh, as far as, you know, not being able to smoke it to see like the effects. Yeah, yeah, that's that can be a problem. But I rely on other people to tell me like, hey, what's the flavor like? What's the high like? Because, you know, maybe something's really gets you really, really stoned, but doesn't have good flavor. I don't want to necessarily grow that or something has good flavor, but doesn't necessarily get you stoned. Don't really want to grow that either. But if, if I didn't have other people to tell me how, how the effects and flavor are, I would just be growing all this beautiful looking stuff that maybe doesn't even get you high, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't think it's a benefit to me. I do think it's a benefit in the sense that if I was stoned, because I already, people already think I'm a stoner. This, the things that I do, it's like total stoner stuff. But if I were to smoke weed, I would probably just smoke weed all day and grow really shitty weed. That's what I would do. I'd probably play video games or just sit, play the piano or just fuck off and smoke weed all day. And my plants would probably suffer. So it's a good thing I don't smoke weed. I definitely have an addictive personality. So if I were to smoke weed, I'd probably just be doing it all day and never get anything done. Yeah, I, I, again, I have to disagree with you there just because I know that's not the way it rolls with me. But uh, and I just think that uh, it, it's weird. It's just it's kind of I've never had this conversation. <laughs> I've never. <laughs> this I've never had this conversation because usually, uh, you know, most people I speak with, they, they kind of smoked for a long period of time. And then I've, I've found across the board that uh, it's it isn't until they start growing the plant that they actually have the res- they gain a whole new respect for the plant and value in it. So I can't imagine, you know, not having the other experience to compare it to, you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty crazy, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm shocked, I'm, to be honest with you. But uh, you, you've managed to just crush it through the years. It doesn't seem to have hindered anything, you know what I mean? Uh, as far as, is any, I would think it would almost be do you smoke cigarettes or anything? Can I ask you that if you don't mind? Listen, I've never even been drunk, okay? I never smoked a cigarette. I've never done anything. The only substance I put in my body, I had a I had a oxycotton once, oxycodone or whatever, hydrocodone. I had a hydrocodone because I was I, I was hurt and I just puked for like all day. I had a hydrocodone one time. Okay, I had one another time. Oh, I, I had a Percocet one time, and that's because I had hurt my back, and that made me puke too. Besides that, like I've eaten edibles six or seven times, maybe maybe that much, and then I've had like ibuprofen and some Tylenol. Dude, I never smoked a cigarette. I've never been drunk. I've never drank coffee. Like I'm super straight edge. If I got drunk, I would e- either end up naked in a gutter or naked in jail. So I just stay away from stuff like that I'm, fu- I'm i'm wild as it is okay totally sober i'm absolutely wild so i just stay away from substances but yeah listen it's really weird that i've never smoked weed i will i will totally agree with you it's pretty much unbelievable 
But I mean, when I started growing these plants, taking these little clones, I got obsessed with marijuana plants. And, you know, I, even though I've never smoked it, like those plants, it's like all I can think about is growing the best weed possible. And just like, I'm always with the plants. Okay. So yeah, you get like a new, new respect for the plants when you, when you go from smoking to growing it. I never had that respect or, or, or connection with the plant smoking, but as far as growing the plants, it was like an obsession for me for a very long time. And it wasn't about the money. I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I was into the plants, making sure they were, you know, perfectly green, nice roots, like being able to clone and get roots out and grow these awesome plants and watch how fast they grow. That's, and, and then all the different, all the different terpene profiles, all the different buds, you know, everything about it, just like I was totally obsessed with it. So yeah, I had that. I just never smoked. Well, that's kind of what I was, my next kind of line of questioning was going to be is like, you know, I would honestly think, you know, with you not smoking, even cannabis or anything else that your nose would be incredibly on point for, you know, turp profiles and phenol hunting. Uh, it seems like you'd be like an amazing uh, phenol hunter for that, just in that aspect to have that, you know, clean nose and, you know, just clean senses about being able to choose uh, in particular turf profiles. It just uh, it makes sense in my book. Yeah, and you know, I, I think I think I, I can smell these different plants really well. I mean, I can categorize marijuana plants into families. Like I can smell blue strains and I can smell, you know, white strains and I can smell OGs like I can really categorize them well just by smelling but I'm sure probably if I smoke them I could even I could even do it better like you know I can't categorize things based on the high but as far as like the terpene profiles I think I'm pretty good at doing that so yeah well since uh clones well let's I'm not trying to rush through anything here but I'm just trying to cover things so we don't have to go back uh so can you help us out for some of us, for some people that have some trouble with cloning? Obviously, it sounds like you've cut probably thousands and thousands, if not millions of clones by now. Uh, is there some tips that you can offer uh, small growers, large growers, anybody that uh, has an ear that wants to listen? Some tips? Oh wait, hold on a second. My my audio cut out. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. Okay, it worked again. Oh, it just cut out for a second. I think I'm using my oh my using my Bluetooth headset and it's connected to my phone too, and my phone did something. So tips for cloning. Yeah, listen, there's all sorts That's- of all sorts of uh you know tips that people give out that I think are totally wrong. Um, Really, I would say two of the biggest factors when it comes to cloning is you have to be taking clones off of a healthy plant. That's number one. And the environment that the clones are in is also very important. If it's too dry, they wilt down. If it's too moist, they rot. So you got to have like a clean work environment. 
what what you clone in either like the little cloning machines, the aeroponic cloning machines, or Rockwell cubes, or Jiffy pellets, or rapid rooters, you can really clone in all that stuff. Uh, I use cloning, you know, little cloning gel. Which cloning gel you use doesn't really matter. Do you have to use cloning gel? Actually, you don't. Um, I see people just cloning cups. But if people are struggling with cloning, I'd say make sure your plants are healthy. I wouldn't spray them with anything for several days before I take the clones. Like if they had mites or something, you know, if you spray with neem oil or something like that and take the clones within a couple of days, chances are your clones aren't going to root. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've literally cloned every method possible, like domes and machines and just putting them in water, taking clones and just putting them in the dirt in a cup. I've done it all. And right now, the way I'm doing it is in domes. And I've been doing little Rockwell cubes. But this last round, I took like 900 clones a couple of days ago. And I, I just took a little insert, a tray insert, and packed it with cocoa and got the cocoa wet. And then just put my cuttings right into the cocoa. You know, I put domes on them. As, as far as like using the domes, the trays with the domes, the trick is to get the domes off as fast as possible without letting the clones droop over and, and, and dry out. So it usually takes about three days, unless you have a really humid room, you don't even need to put a dome on there. But uh, yeah, if you're having trouble with cloning, I'd have to see like what problem you're having, but really just make sure your mother plants are healthy. Other than that, maybe get some rapid rooters or something. Those are pretty easy to work with, a little bit of cloning gel and a tray with a dome. And also, you know, some strains clone way easier than others. So that's another thing you need to consider. So on the scale that you've taken clones, it's probably, you'd probably suggest keeping a mother versus, uh, and how often would you suggest resetting your mother? I guess is another good question for somebody that takes a lot of clones. Well, for the longest time in my, in my old facility, I did not keep any mother plants. I would veg plants out and take clones off of them about five days before I put them into flower. And then they would go into flower. Then those cuttings I take, I took off them five days before they would root about a week later, maybe up to 14 days later, they would get transplanted into one gallon pots, veg for another few weeks. And then I transplant them to five gallon pots and veg for another four weeks. And by then they were ready to go into flower because the ones, the plants that I had taken those cuttings off of were getting harvested. So that's how I did it for a long time. In my current grow, I'm, I'm, I'm flowering plants very small. I'm flowering them before they're big enough to even have clones taken off of them. And if I were to take clones off them before they go into flower, they would be way too big to go into flower by the time I had space for them to go into flower. So yeah, I do keep moms now. I don't like keeping moms, but that's just how I'm doing it now. And if you have a big commercial grow where you're taking, you need to take like hundreds of clones at a time and you need them more often than like, you know, every two months. Uh, yeah, keeping a mom's fine. But these Mac moms, I had five Mac moms and they lasted about a year. I just finally killed those a few days ago. And the only reason why I killed them is because when I was gone to Europe this last time, they became really unhealthy with the people watching them. And too many clones were taken off of them in the sense that they literally cut every node off the plant. So I basically have just a bunch of stalks and like a few nodes. Otherwise, I would have kept them going. And I know some of these growers keep mother plants for many years. As long as they're healthy, they can keep going. So 
I, I typically keep them probably like maybe six to eight months right now in this grow. So. So can you tell me about that first grow? I mean, what did it look like when you walked into your first grow experience? I mean, I'm not taking clones, but actually trying to produce the flower. Okay, so when we first started taking clones, we rented a, just a little single wide trailer, basically like the shittiest little single wide trailer you could rent for $400 a month. And we started taking clones there and we were selling these clones. And as soon as we had enough money saved up, we rented a house in Seattle and moved our cloning operation over there. Then as soon as we had a little bit more money, we rented a second house. So my buddy lived in one house and I lived in the other. And that's when we finally decided to do our first flower room. And our first flower room was one half of a two-car garage. So it was like a single bay of a two-car garage with some plastic around it and some ghetto-ass wiring. And I think we had maybe 10, 10 lights in there. But some of them were 400-watt lights. Some of them were 600-watt lights. Might have had a couple thousand-watt lights in there, too. Our plants were in five-gallon pots, or not five-gallon pots, five-gallon buckets, clay pots, plastic pots, like all different size. Some were in dirt. Actually, I think they were all in dirt. Maybe some were in like pro mix too. But yeah, we just, it was just the most ghetto astro you can have. And, you know, I didn't do too well. We were using general hydroponics three-part, but we got our first crop and we got like a couple pounds off of it and sold that for 3,200 bucks. And we were super excited. Like that was, that was the start of it, you know, but my first grow was not a good grow. These plants were gangly. They weren't topped. We had a bunch of different strains and a bunch of different pots and a bunch of different medium and they were yellowed out and deficient. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a successful crop because we actually got weed out of it. I mean, most people, you know, they're not even going to get much weed out of their first crop and that's okay. It's just like, if you, if you do anything other than fail, you did really well on your first crop, like expect to fail your first crop. If you're just going to start growing weed, you know, it's not easy to do, but you just got to keep trying. And that's why a lot of people start small with maybe just like one light that way, if they fail, it's not like a huge hit financially. We had clones that we were selling and that, that was paying all the bills. So flowering out the plants, that's just extra money on top for us. But yeah, it was, it was a shitty, shitty garage grow is what it was. Magnetic ballast and everything was hodgepodge and mixed up. But every, every dollar I made from it, I put back into buying equipment and trying to make it better. And, you know, I went from those 10 shitty lights to I finally got like four lights, four nice thousand watt lights. And then I ran that for a little while. And every penny I, I got, I put back into it like, I was eating Quiznos and like Papa Murphy's pizza, you know, Jack in the box, just the shittiest, cheapest food I could get. And I wasn't buying furniture for the house. I was literally sleeping in my sleeping bag in the closet because it was warm in there because, you know, I didn't have the heat on. So it was like getting sucked through the grow anyway. So, uh, yeah, just I didn't buy anything like all my money went back into grow equipment to, you know, make the grow better or bigger. So that's what you got to do. And if I was smoking weed back then, I probably would have smoked half that weed and not been nearly as successful. But uh, yeah, if, if someone's out there growing and trying to do that and they want to smoke half their weed, they can do that. It just might take longer to be more successful at it. 
how much of that uh, not smoking or using would you contribute to uh, your success, your large-scale success, in my opinion? I would say a lot, honestly. Most of the most successful growers I've known are guys that don't smoke weed. I'm not saying if you smoke weed, you're not going to be a successful grower, because I know guys that smoke weed that are hugely success, successful when it comes to growing weed. But you just got a lot better chance of being successful if you're not smoking. But I don't hold it against anybody. A lot of my friends smoke weed. I'm totally fine with it. You know, most of my family smokes weed. And they're successful people. So, yeah. But if you really want to, if, you, if you're like tight on money and you want to make your grow better, just try not to smoke, smoke your weed. You know, smoke as little as possible because that's more you can sell, more money you can get to make your grow better. But, you know, I don't hold it against anyone if they want to just smoke. And a lot of people just want to smoke. They just want to grow just so they have some weed to smoke. And that's fine, too, because weed's expensive. Man, going into a store to try and try and buy weed, like 15 bucks for a gram of like some really good weed. I don't know who can afford that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I can't afford that. That's why I actually started growing it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've, I've grown it for too long now. You know, I, it, the way I consume, it, it's way too costly. And when I decided to grow, I actually, I was paying 800 bucks a month for my cannabis. That's 200 bucks an ounce, four ounces a month. And for that same amount of money, I can provide cannabis for myself and my five patients now. Do you still be under that? You know what I mean? It only made sense to to uh, switch over, even though back then it was illegal. It still made perfect sense to start saving myself some money, and uh, I jumped on it. I jumped on it. I jumped on it for per- per- personal reasons rather than business reasons but uh i i sometimes question that decision <laughs> to be honest with you. yeah man 800 bucks a month that's a lot of money like that's more than most people can afford and that's why you know when i was making my youtube videos the point of making those videos was to show people how i was growing weed and how i fucked up and how i was successful because what i wanted everyone to do I wanted everyone to go buy some lights and grow some weed. You know, I basically wanted to flood the entire U.S. or world with weed, basically make it so the the government, the, the cops would have to raid people 24-7 and still not be able to even put a dent in, in the amount of people growing weed. So I think I, I, think I helped contribute to, to uh, all the weed that's being produced, produced now, and, and I'm happy about that. Because, you know, no one should have to spend $800 a month on weed. No one should have to spend $200 a month on weed. Everyone should just be able to grow their own. So I, I, I like to think that I helped people get to the point where they could grow their own weed and not have to go to the store and buy it or buy it from, from some dealer. So. So uh, what, did, what was the, some of the things you were able to change from the first grow to the second grow, what were the, some of the obvious that you were like, this, we can't do this anymore? Yeah, so I think having things more consistent was a big thing. 
you know, with all those different lights and spectrums, metal halide bulbs, HPS, 400 watts, 1,000 watts, 600 watts, different size pots. Once I, once I actually went out and was able to afford to buy all the same pots, so all the plants can go in the same, same exact shape and size pots, all the plants can go in the same medium, they can be under the same lights, you know, that was really important. That's a big first step. And I think at this point, most people can do that. So, uh, yeah, and then I was growing with general hydroponics, which you're never going to get a high yield growing with general hydroponics. You'll get good quality, but you'll never get the yield. Um, yeah, after that point, plant health, being able to top and lollipop the plants, that was a big step for me. Making sure all the plants were the same age. So you take all the clones at the same time, you transplant them all at the same time, you top them all at the same time. So when they go into flower, they're all the same size and ideally all the same strain. That really helps. So you can kind of treat them as like one group instead of a bunch of indig individual groups. Yeah. And then just changing mediums. I mean, when I changed from pro mix to cocoa, man, when I bought cocoa, it was, it, it was they had the cocoa blocks, but the first time they had loose fill cocoa, I remember going into the grocery store and they had this pallet of, of loose fill cocoa there. And I bought some, it was $7.50 for a two cubic foot bag. Now it's like 12 or 14 bucks for a one and a half cubic foot bag. So back then it was dirt cheap because it was like this new thing that nobody was using, these loose fill bags. And I got that and, and that was really good. I mean, that increased my yield drastically. Like if you're going to pro mix and you switch to pure cocoa and don't fuck anything up, your yield's going up 50% just like that, just by switching to pure cocoa from ProMix or Sunshine Number 4. That's pretty much the same thing as ProMix. Switch to pure cocoa, automatic 50% increase in yield, just like that, as long as you keep the plants healthy and green. So, yeah, trying out different mediums, you know, and then trying out different nutrients. I just, just everything for me was just trial and error. And whatever worked best, that's what I did. Uh, what uh, you're obviously still in cocoa today. What uh, nutrients are you running these days? You don't mind. I'm running Athena Nutrients, the powder Athena Pro Series, Athena Commercial, Commercial Series. This is their powder nutrients, and it's a two part. There's core, which goes for veg plants and plants and flower, and then for the veg plants you give them grow, and for the flower plants you give them bloom. So it's two part and two-part core growth for veg and two-part core bloom for flower. They have another additive called stack, but it's a total waste of money. You don't need it. But yeah, that's as simple as that is. Um, my favorite nutrient that I've used, I guess, maybe ever is the Psycho Commercial Series, which is a one-part nutrient. When I tested out before, there was quite a bit of sediment in it, and now they fix that. But it's literally powder, one part. You just... However many gallons you have, you scoop, however many scoops you need to scoop, you know, how many grams it takes. I think I was doing like eight grams per gallon or something like that. Literally one part, you let it mix up and you feed it to your plants. That's all you have to do. Whereas back in the day, I was using advanced nutrients, but then I was also using a bunch of things on top of it, like molasses, uh, liquid seaweed, bat guano. I was adding like 13 things. Every time I mixed my nutrients, I added 13 different nutrients, yeah, 13 different nutrients into my reservoir. That was huge. And that was like super expensive. 
all liquid nutrients and way too many things. Now with these powder nutrients out, it's like two part, maybe you wanna give them like some power SI or just maybe like one additive and that's all you need to do. I mean, I'm crushing it with Athena right now. The quality is amazing. And the yield is not ideal. Like I'm getting over two pounds of light. I'm still trying to dial things in until, so I can get up to like three pounds of light. But still, I mean, powder nutrients, is, it's like literally two things. You put it in there, a couple scoops of baking soda to adjust the pH in my water. And you're getting, I'm getting awesome results, high yield and high quality. So it doesn't take a lot these days. So if you were starting out a new grow, what would be some of uh, a new larger scale grow? What would be some of the advice that you would give somebody? Um, <laughs> based on what I've seen from the grow that I'm at right now, I would say get plastic wall panels don't go with green board or drywall. And there's these, these panels are called like Duramax PVC panels. They're made in California. Not like the fat ones, like the DPS panels that are insulated. Those are really expensive. And you can get those if you want to. But there's these other ones that are just like thin plastic that you just screw onto your metal studs. I would get those first of all, because right now this drywall and this scroll that I'm at is just like totally destroyed. So I'd get those. And I would say... Don't waste your time with double-ended lights. Go straight for LEDs and buy them using your state's rebate program because you can probably get them for half off or even close to free. That's the biggest thing I'd say. Go all LEDs. I love my LEDs. I love to have my LEDs. Should I be so happy that that days finally came that I told the souls days almost there or is there how long you been using leds for since at least 12 since 2012 i'm still damn stacks of mars leds the old mars 2 <laughs> the old ebay 3 watt diodes where yeah. they didn't even give the correct information back then but i think even got the uh they're like they like they they look like light bright panels no i mean seriously nothing to them they're flat i don't even they never grew shit but yeah like the those uf ufos or whatever those old school blurple ones i remember all those back in the day so you were using them back then huh sir yes sir oh man i yeah i've had i've tried just about every light Except the double-ended. I haven't tried double-ended yet, but uh, yeah, I've worked my way through the different types of lighting for sure. I actually was joking about it. Well, Cheddar Bob 13 is in chat tonight. We were joking about, uh, he was telling me about his first grow, and I, I laughed because it was so much like my own, and it was the T12 bulbs, the first plant bulbs you can get and they were like as many as I could screw together side by side and down the walls because my first grow was in an attic space I, they were, I built this little fixture and then screwed them down the walls and had everything in there oh but too funny so as as, as I could I upgraded 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 and worked my way through yep 
I've had my experiences with lights, that's for sure. Yeah, probably and you know, nothing. I... Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say probably nothing to the scale of what you've, uh, you've ran, but I've ran some for sure. Well, I, I put these Phillips lights that I got in, in one of my rooms just to test them out. And now we're going on, we're like halfway through the second round with them of like the good grow. The first crop I put in there got totally fucked up because I didn't have air conditioning and they just got too hot. So I cut those down in like mid flower. But then I did a multi-strain grow under those LEDs and the quality I mean, a lot of the strains I had in there, I also had in another room at the same time under the double-ended lights. The quality between the LED buds and the double-ended buds, there was no comparison at all. No comparison. The LEDs absolutely crushed the double-ended buds. The terpenes and the crystal production, like, it, it was night and day comparison between the two. It was just phenomenal weed. As far as the yield goes between those two rooms, I wasn't here for the harvest and the guys ended up mixing up some of, some of the buds with each other. I don't know how you can do that because like, you know, the sour gelato under the double-ended lights looked nothing like the sour gelato under the LED lights, but somehow they like mixed that up when they sold it. So I, and they didn't weigh them out separately. You got all weighed up together. But I think I only got around a pound and a half or we, we got around a pound and a half of light in both rooms. I'm not sure. But right now I've got, it's basically a Mac monocrop in the LED room. And I do have some jungle cookies in there too. But it was a 20 light room. And now I've got 40 LEDs. The LEDs I have are 285 watts each. So I have 40 of them because two of those is like equivalent to a double-ended light. But it's looking, the canopy to me looks like it's about a three, two and a half to three pound a light canopy. So I would expect that we're going to get somewhere between 50 and 60 pounds out of that room, which would have been equivalent to like 20 double-ended lights. And the quality is just amazing. Like you, you can't even, you can't even compare the quality from the double-ended with these LEDs. That's all I would say about that. And also, you know what else I realized for the past year or so that I've really got kind of gotten into LEDs and done a lot of research is all about Osram diodes, Osram drivers, Phillips, because those are the, by far the two best brands. And there's like all these off brands too. Then there's all the cannabis industry brands like, like Lux and Think Grow and uh, HLG, like all these just smaller brands that only exist and compete in the cannabis world. But on like the world horticulture market, they're just nobodies. Man, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter if you have the Chinese knockoffs or the $2,500 LED lights. You can crush it with all these lights. And to prove that, watch watch Remo's Remo's grow Urban Remo, you know the the Canadian guy. He had like these shitty off brand lights, and they were like ten feet. They were like ten feet up in the in the air, and he's growing trees under them and getting massive, thick like fat buds, super like down low, like eight feet away from the lights. He's got massive buds, and I know he, his yields are huge under these shitty LEDs. So, like, if you want to, you know. Go buy the expensive brand LEDs. You can do that. But the fact matter is almost all of them are made in the same factories. There's like three factories in China that make all the lights for everybody. And what LEDs you have is not going to matter as much as your vapor pressure deficit in your environment. Any LEDs, you can buy the $800 LEDs, 
the $500 LEDs or the $2,000 LEDs. And as you know, as long as your environment's good, you're going to crush it with any of these brands. So don't be embarrassed if you bought cheaper LEDs. You can still get great results with them. That's my new opinion. Whereas before, I was kind of like, I was becoming like an LED Osram snob because they like make the best diodes. Fuck it, man. Just get whatever LEDs you can afford and you will and you can do good with them. So don't worry about having to spend a bunch of money to impress people. Oh, man, I could, I definitely respect that. It surprised me a little bit to hear you say that, but man, I'm, I greatly respect hearing it, man. I'm kind of, I'm a, I'm on the same, same level right there with you. We talk a lot about LEDs here on the show and that's always been my suggestion as really as well to a lot of smaller scale growers or people getting into it. We got a lot of these fixtures now. I've got one over here, low pro max that like a 668 bar light, like the Kavita style lights and that light, you know, uh, suggested price 1500 bucks and you know you can get uh, a smaller scale lights like some of these other ones i've got back here for like 250 now that eight bar 660 you're going to get a four by four pro print on there you're probably going to have to turn it down when for the same matte price you can get four of these other lights spread them out and get a bigger footprint and a bigger yield for the same dollar i just you know it makes more sense to to spread out the footprint and to get a bigger canopy myself versus you know hammer down take all my money and hammer down on a four by four it just makes more sense for to get me a bigger canopy i don't know but i'm glad to hear that you have a similar opinion yeah you know fluent fluence bio uh I think their lights are around $2,400 and Osram bought them. They were, they were just a marijuana brand and Osram really wanted to get into the marijuana industry. So they just went and found the company that they liked the most, which was Fluence and Osram just bought them out. So Osram's the second biggest lighting company in the world. Philips is number one and Osram is number two. Okay. And Osram Philips. The, the, the reason why Fluence got big in the first place is because People were contacting Philips trying to get grow lights for cannabis. And Philips was, they were against selling any lights to marijuana growers. Okay. They're, they're the number one horticulture lighting, lighting company in the world, but they would not sell to marijuana growers. And anytime anyone would contact them, and I don't know if Fluence did this or, you know, if, if they actually called Philips or Philips just saw Fluence and decided to start sending people to them. But the reason why Fluence got big is because anytime someone called Phillips and asked about getting lights for their marijuana grow, they referred them to Fluence. And I kind of think Fluence maybe called up Phillips and said, hey, if anyone's trying to like buy lights from you to grow cannabis, will you just send them our way? They might've done that, maybe not. Nonetheless, that's how Fluence got popular in the first place before Osram bought them. So Fluence was just a small brand. Phillips was sending everyone to Fluence to buy lights that wanted to grow marijuana. And that made Fluence grow and become like a pretty popular marijuana brand. And then when Osram wanted to get in the game, they bought Fluence. A little bit later, uh, Phillips decided that they're going to develop this new spectrum and start testing this deep red spectrum, which is now becoming more popular. And this was like about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, they started researching this. And that's the lights I got. So when I got my deep red lights from Phillips, 
people were calling them blurple. They're like, oh, blurple is so old school. They didn't know this, but my lights aren't blurple. They're deep red. So I, I bought 120 deep red and 120 uh, full spectrum lights. So that's what I have. I have mixed spectrum. I, for every full spectrum I have, I also have a deep red. So Philips came out with this new technology, this deep red tech. It's actually deep red medium blue. And when they first did their test, the company that supplies like Home Depot with all their plants in the spring, you know, their garden plants, the nursery, they put these in their nurseries because this company was getting complaints because people would buy their little potted plant from Home Depot, go home, pop it out of the little cup and the root ball would fall apart because there's no roots. So Philips started putting these deep red, medium blue spectrum lights in these greenhouses for the people that are pr producing all the plants for Home Depot. And this last year, when they finally started selling those plants to Home Depot, they were people were buying them and popping the roots out of the little pot, and they had just this massive root wad. So the, the medium blue spectrum really makes roots grow, okay? It's, it greatly helps with root production, whereas the deep red helps with vegetative production. So Philips released these lights. Soon after that, Osram had, that had bought Fluence they actually headhunted the lead developer for Philips. They went to Philips, and this happens in the corporate world all the time. I know people that do this. They go to the lead developer and they say, hey, listen, why don't you quit Philips? You come work for us, we'll pay you, you know, $30,000 or more or $100,000 or more. They make it sweet. So they steal Philips's lead developer. He comes over to Osram, immediately starts developing what is now their newest light called the Viper, which is a knockoff. It's actually a little bit better version of the lights I have. So he came from Philips. He goes to, over to Osram. He develops their new deep red spectrum light, which is the Viper. And while this is happening, I'm trying to tell people on YouTube, hey, deep red, medium blue is the new spectrum. It's not burple. Stop calling my lights blurple assholes. There's a new technology that you don't even know about yet. And people just talk shit about me saying my lights are blurple. Now, all of a sudden, Osram releases their Viper, which is the deep red, medium blue. And now all these other companies are starting to do it, too. You see all these lighting manufacturers, they're either putting the red diodes and mixing them in with their full spectrum lights. Like, they'll do a full spectrum, but then every once in a while, they have, like, a couple little red Osram diodes. Or they're going, like, pure deep red, medium blue lights. So that's what's going on now. And now they're starting to put in the infrared, which Philips has been doing for a very long time. But now I see, like, some of these guys are having, like, you can swap out or add the, the, the infrared bars into it, which is cool. And that's good to finish with. Is it going to make much of a difference? Yeah, it might, might make a noticeable difference, but I don't know. I'm not really into it right now. My lights that I'm using work fine. I probably won't use the rest of my Philips lights. I'm thinking about buying some other LED lights. The company that makes Osram's lights for them, they're trying to sell me lights and like, hey, we make Osram's lights. I went to China. I went to the factory. I saw the Osram boxes. I saw the Osram labels or the, the Fluent, sorry, the Fluence labels are making Fluence lights for them, which is owned by Osram. And they're like trying to sell me generic lights. I'm like, can you even do this? You're basically selling me uh, Fluence lights without the Fluence label. And they're like, oh, we can put your own label on them. You know, you can have your own lights. But it's all the same Chinese guys, you know, the, the manufacturers making all the lights for everybody. And the new tech is the deep red, medium blue. I don't know how well it's going to work but I know that my lights are doing great in there and I'm happy with the LEDs and I just want to swap out all my double ends as fast as possible for LEDs. So whether you're using the Mars Hydro lights or the expensive lights, it doesn't really matter, guys. Yeah, I heard you say that 
uh, VPD was a major part of crushing it with the LEDs, but uh, is a daily light integral something that you plan to uh, mess around with with your LEDs as well? The what? The daily light integrals, the amount of uh, light that they get uh, per day. Uh, I know a yeah. lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of, do you know what I'm talking about there? Yeah, yeah, and I have not, I have not, I, I mean, I've seen some of that, but I haven't thought about trying to mess with it at all right now. And I know they have like these adjustable spectrum lights too. I do know a grow down in Oklahoma. Uh, these guys invested, a friend of a friend of mine invested like $2.5 million in this grow. And he was just one of the smaller partners. It's a massive grow in Oklahoma. And they got these adjustable spectrum LEDs. And when they sent me pictures of the, of the buds i'm like no this is outdoor weed like i told my friend I'm like your buddy's not growing indoor he's growing outdoor weed he's like no they got these new leds with adjustable spectrum i'm like dude this is outdoor weed like i even saw the plants growing and it looked like they were outdoor like it looked like they were in a greenhouse i would be careful with messing around with the spectrums too much and trying to mimic the sun too much because if you mimic the sun perfectly you're going to end up with outdoor looking weed grown indoors and i've seen it with my own eyes so you know, I could be wrong about this, but I would be careful messing with it too much and trying to get too much like the sun. But yeah, it's like the intensity and stuff like that. I haven't played around with that yet, and I don't really plan on doing it anytime soon. What do you know about it? Have you have you seen like good results with it? I I have. There's a lost leaf here in Michigan uh, is one of the main people that I've seen and follow that uses it, and he's crushing it with it. Basically, he you know the, he's dropping the light so close and giving them a more intense uh, light, but shorter shorter times per day. I think his veggies are close to like sixteen hours, and uh, his he's got his uh, flower down to like ten and a half, eleven, something like that, to where he's just giving it you know real intense light for a shorter amounts of time, giving them you know more rest, more, more time to do their thing during the night periods. I don't know. He's, he's doing well with it. And it saves, you know what I mean? Anything to save that extra bulk too. Uh, why not? Why not? If you could do more for it with less than why not? When I was growing it, when I was doing my basement grows back in like 2013 or so, I would start off flower with 12, 12, and by the time I was harvesting, I was down to, I don't know if I ever went down to 10 hours of light, but I know for sure many times I went down to 10 and a half hours per light because naturally, I mean, the days get shorter, right? So why wouldn't you do that inside too? You save some money and it probably helps the plants finish out more. But I wasn't like changing the intensity of the light. I was just, you know, I just had thousand watt single ended bulbs and just, I had the little timer you know, the little, the light box controller and it's the, the little timer that you like push down the little, you, you know, you can like spin the dial and you push down like a, a 15 minute incremental intervals, all uh, intervals all around the, the little timer. And I'd have it like set to 12, 12. Then I just like put one more little notch down. So, you know, the lights turn off sooner. And I did that. Did I notice much of a difference back then? I can't say I did but also my environment wasn't dialed in as well as it is now. And I didn't know as much about growing as I do now. So maybe if I tried it now, I could see some results, but I'm happy with the results at 1212. 
But yeah, shortening the days towards the end of flower, at least, I think that's a, always a good idea. Not that I'm going to do it, but I think it's a good idea. So back in the day, I remember one, I, I really credit you to a lot of growers using uh, vapor deficit, uh, BPD, saved myself a little bit of stumbling there, back in the day, and I still to this day wish I would have took note and started utilizing it then. But what was it that uh, made it you uh, start utilizing it in your grow uh, then? And how hard was it to, uh, to put into practice? Okay, so I think it was about 2012 that I accidentally stumbled on, upon BPD for the first time. And nobody, nobody that I knew on YouTube or in, in real life had any idea what this was. So I had a basement grow and I had one section was green crack. There was like 6,000 watts of green crack and then a 4,000 watt section of lemon OG and then a 4,000 watt section of, I want to say peyote purple and maybe something else. So it was fall in Seattle and everybody knows that Seattle in the fall, it's just one giant rainstorm. Okay. I had a 10 inch intake blowing into my basement from outside and it was blowing basically right at the part of my canopy where the lemon OG plants were. So all this air that it was blowing in was very wet. Of course, I had my dehumidifiers running 24 hours a day because I want to keep this grow as dry as possible so I don't get powdery mildew. You know, under 40% humidity as much as possible because I don't want powdery mildew. And I rarely got powdery mildew because I had those, those dehumidifiers always running. But this intake fan was blowing cool, wet air right onto the lemon OG canopy, that four, four light canopy right there. And when I harvest, and I can even tell like at first, oh, it might've been golden ticket, not green crack. It was maybe golden ticket. Yeah, it was golden ticket, not green crack. So I noticed that like day 28, my buds look like they're day 40 buds. And I'm like, man, these lemon OGs are just really pumping. Like this is, this is amazing stuff. And when I finally harvested that room, <clears throat> I ended up with, what I had, I got, I had, I think 14 pounds of lemon OG off of four lights. And it was unbelievable because I was a pound and a half a light grower. I was always consistently getting a pound and a half per light. And when I, when I say a pound and a half per light, that means a pound and a half of weed, dried, trimmed, cured weed off of one 1000 watt light. <clears throat> so whenever I say per light, I'm referring to the equivalent of a thousand watt light, just just for clarification purposes. So I got like three and a half pounds of light of lemon OG. And I was shocked, like, did I not dry it all the way? Like, why is it weighing so much? Why are these buds so big? Why do I have so much of this? A shock. And I just kind of never thought about it again. And a couple of years later, I had my new growth set up where I had my 25 light flower rooms and it was winter time and above my ceiling was not insulated okay and so my and it was it was really cold outside and these were sealed rooms and they were nice and hot but that hot air it would rise up and heat up the the uh drywall in the ceiling of the room and the cold air on top of the drywall would make that air in the room condense 
on the ceiling. So what was happening is based, it was literally raining in my flower rooms because all the moisture from the hot air was condensing on the ceiling and then dripping off of the ceiling. So my humidity was like 90% humidity, 99% humidity in my flower room. And my air conditioners couldn't quite keep up with the amount of lights I had. So it was like 90 degrees, like 90 degrees, 95% humidity in these rooms. And I think with, this was maybe the alien rift room that this happened. I had 25, 25 lights, so it was all alien rift. And I got like 78 pounds off of it, of alien rift. I'm like, how the fuck did I just get over three pounds of light with this alien rift, especially when my, my environment was so out of whack. And then an Instagram user messaged me like revenge, re revenge Denver or something like that. Anyway, they sent me a private message and they said, Hey, look up vapor pressure deficit. So I looked it up and it made perfect sense. And then I realized that's why I had gotten such a huge yield from the lemon OG years before, because my vapor pressure deficit was dialed in perfectly. And would you like me to explain how this works to the, to your audience? Like I, I can't imagine everybody knows how vapor pressure deficit works. Would you, would you like me to explain this? Please, please do. Okay, so this is what's happening. Your plant wants to grow. And when it grows, it transpires. We presspire, that means we sweat, it transpires. So water brings the nutrients up to the plant. Those nutrients are either stored or used for new growth. And then the water is transpired out the stoma, which are these little, think of them as pores of the leaves, okay? Now, if it's really hot and dry in the air around the plant, and those, the plant stoma open up, okay? And the moisture starts to come out of the stoma. That hot, dry air is going to dry out the water so fast that it actually starts drying out the water up in the plant when the stoma are open. And the plant says, oh shit, my leaf's about to dry out. I gotta close my stoma. Cause if I open this, that hot, dry air is just gonna like suck all the moisture out of my stoma and dry me out. So it closes and it doesn't grow, okay? On the other hand, if it's very moist, like a lot, of, a lot of vapor, a lot of humidity on the outside of the plant and the stoma go to open to transpire so that the plant can grow. When it opens up, instead of the moisture, the water being able to come out of the stoma and transpire, it's actually forced back up in because that, that moist air outside the plant is actually creates like pressure, air pressure, and it forces moisture back up in the stoma so that so it can't actually transpire the moisture out. And in that case, I don't know if the stoma close or if they stay open, but I'll tell you what happens is your leaf kind of droops down and rots and falls off. And that's what happened to my alien rifts when I had the humidity too high. So if, if the plant can't transpire, it doesn't bring up any more water to grow and it just kind of gets stagnant. So the whole time for many years when I was growing with my dehumidifiers running and trying to keep my humidity as low as possible, it was so dry that when those stoma open to transpire, it's like dries the plant out so fast, they close. And they don't necessarily close all the way, but they close a little bit to where they can still transpire some and still grow a little bit, but not to the point where it actually damages the plant. If your vapor pressure deficit is, 
is ideal for cannabis, which is about like maybe 1.1 to 1.2. And you can look this up if you type in VPD chart on Google, you can see like a chart. <clears throat> and it'll tell you like what, what temperature you should have and what humidity you should have. And your vapor pressure deficit can be perfect at different temperatures and different humidities. They just have to be relatively correct to each other. So like at 85 degrees Fahrenheit, you would want your humidity to be around 72%. Whereas like at 75 degrees Fahrenheit, your humidity should maybe be around 60%. Okay, so it, it changes. But uh, what was I gonna say? So um, what you want is you, you want an environment to where when those stoma open up, they open up all the way and they all open up and they can, tr they can transpire as much moisture as they want to freely without having to worry about drying out too fast or being forced back up in the plant. And th this is how, this is vapor pressure deficit. You want the deficit outside, you want a deficit outside the plant. So the vapor pressure on the outside of the plant is lower than the vapor pressure on the inside of the plant. That way, when the plant stoma open, it can actually transpire out. You know, if, the, if your vapor pressure deficit was positive, when those stoma open, it would be forced back inside the plant. Does that make sense? So you want a little bit of a deficit on the outside so the plant can grow at its maximum potential. And when you dial in your vapor pressure deficit, you think lights matter, you think nutrients matter, you think CO2 matters. None of these things matter as much as, of course, they're all necessary, but none of them will make as big of a difference as your vapor pressure deficit will. If you're a pound of, pound of light grower, pound and a half light grower or two pound of light grower, you get your vapor pressures deficit dialed in and you can bump up to three pounds of light, like no problem. Well, if you're, if you're a pound of light grower, you're not going to go to three pounds, which is vapor pressure deficit. You're going to have to like, you know, probably be growing in like uh, rock wool or cocoa or something like that. Cause if you're a pound of light grower, you're probably not growing in cocoa anyway. You're probably growing in like dirt or pro mix or something like that. Sunshine number four, but yeah, vapor pressure deficit guys, research it it is it it will increase your yields more than anything else will did that make sense it absolutely does and isn't it safe to say unless you're following that chart you're not utilizing all that co2 that you're dumping into the room that's right you know, that's absolutely that's right So it seemed like unless that was first and foremost, you, it seems like that would have to be first to get your room on point with that before uh, necessarily dumping CO2 in the room. Would you not agree? Yeah. And, and when your vapor pressure deficit is correct, uh, that's when all those other things are going to start to shine. That's when increased CO2 is really going to help you. And that's when your plant is going to be taking up way more nutrients. And that's why... You know, I feed it like 2.8 EC under the LEDs. I'm feeding like 3.0 EC because they're growing so fast. They, they need as much nutrients as possible. Yeah, if you just dial in your vapor pressure deficit and don't change other things, you're going to have like deficient plants. So, yeah. So we're talking about it as a, a tool to keep the plant as healthy as possible as far as growth. But well, what are some of the benefits for IPM, keeping your room at the chart, the BPD chart? Is there a lot of pluses for uh, IPM? I can't say that I've noticed that there are. I run my rooms 
hot compared to other people, but the ideal temperature for cannabis is between 85 and 95 degrees Fahrenheit. That's when cannabis, most strains of cannabis will thrive between those temperatures. A lot of people will run their lights in the 70s. That's fine. But ideally, and this comes out of a study from the University of Mississippi from years ago, that 85 to 95 degrees, those are the ideal temperatures. I run my rooms at 87 degrees. I'll let them get a little bit hotter, like maybe 88 degrees. And I do that for most of the of the flower, the flower cycle. And then I start to drop the temperatures towards the end of flower. But bugs tend to like nice, hot, humid environments. So uh, I don't I, I, I'm not going to say that I've noticed that it helps with with, you know, bugs. And I'm not necessarily going to say that it makes it harder, like bugs like it more. But I can tell you that super healthy plants, they fend off bugs a lot better than unhealthy plants, that's for sure. And when I was running drier, drier rooms back in the day, I mean, I was getting mites back then and I'm still getting mites. So fuck it, you know, like I haven't really noticed any, any difference. Have you ever considered going down the organics road? In what sense with nutrients or like an amended soil? Yeah, and amended soil. I can say that I've never considered it because I I don't see how you can flush your plants with an amended soil. And I know people say that, well, the plant just takes up the nutrients it needs. So, you know, when it, it knows when it's going to be harvested or, or like when it's finishing, so it doesn't it doesn't take up those nutrients because it doesn't need them anymore. And if that were the case, it would not be taking up synthetic nutrients and you wouldn't have to flush. I just know like back in the day when, when friends of mine were using subcool super, super soil, they were all, everyone was saying like that weed was so harsh because it wasn't flushed. And I don't see how you can flush amended, uh, plants that are in amended soil. So that's why I've never used it. I've used an organic nutrients and I've even for the longest time when I was using advanced nutrients, which was synthetic, mostly synthetic. I was using like a pretty equal mix of synthetic and organic as flower, as you know, my flower time would go on like around week six or so I'd start to fade out the synthetics. And by week seven, I had no synthetics. I was fully organic for, you know, two weeks. And then I flushed for 10 days or so before I harvest. So I would finish with organics when I was growing before, but now I can't do that with these drip emitters I'm using. It's like everything has to be fully synthetic. But yeah, I know some people like organic weed and maybe it even tastes better. And I hear a lot of people say that it tastes better, but I don't see how you can flush soil that's amended or like living soil because it's always producing more nutrients. So the plant's just going to keep taking up nutrients, but I don't smoke. See, that's one of the things like I can't tell. I don't know for sure. This is just what I, what I imagine. Well, I think in the case of nutrients versus synthetic there, I think it's a quality of the nutrient there. I think uh, there definitely is a flavor difference there. But as far as things being flushed out, I'm kind of with you right there. Uh, I don't think flush is uh, it's such a funny term it, because uh, – when we say flush, we, we, I think most growers think they're trying to 
take things out of the plant. You know what I mean? They're going to flush whatever's bad in the plant out. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. You're just depleting, you're depleting the medium so it can use up whatever it has available, not just in the medium, but in the plant as well. Kind of leaving it somewhat deficient, I guess. But it, you're not going to take out what's in the already in the plant. You know what I mean? So at one point, if you let it go to where it naturally ripens out in, you know, while it's growing, yes, it's going to eventually stop taking up everything. It's going to stop drinking. The medium's going to stay wetter for longer. And it's just going to do its thing. Yeah, I've kind of thought about that lately, to be honest with you. And just as far as uh, a wet trim versus dry trim. I've always tried to figure that out. A lot of people say it's um, it's the way that the leaves come down and wrap around the buds that kind of help keep them terpenes locked in that helps, you know, add to the flavor. But I kind of, I'm starting to really not think that's the case, to be honest with you. I'm honestly starting to think that the difference, in part anyways, is the availability of nutrients, to be honest with you. Uh, see, if I, if I were to go in and wet trim, and that plant's going to dry out, that plant, even though we've cut it down and are trying to take it to the next phase, it's still a living, breathing thing. It's going to, even though we've cut it up, just like a a flower you've cut and set it in a, a vase, it's going to stay somewhat alive. It's struggling to stay alive for some point. And I think that's the same thing with our drying. So if I go in and wet trim and knock everything off it and put it aside, it's limited to what it can survive on, what's left in that bud. You know what I mean? It's going to try to survive with the nutrients that are available in that bud. But if I take the plant and I cut it right at the base and hang it upside down, it can struggle to live on for a longer period of time and soak in some nutrients from the, the leaves that are left on the plant. The sugar leaves, the fan leaves if left, and can you know enrich that a longer cure that way. I think it's kind of some of the flavor difference in between that. So... As far as, you know, having the flush, I think plant's done when it's done. You're not going to take back out, you know, anything that's in the plant. You're just robbing it from the future, right? At least my opinion on that. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. And this is a conversation I had last night with someone. And I have this conversation a lot. When people say flush, like when, they, when they're talking about flushing, a lot of people think that you're flushing the medium and they think, Oh, I'll just run a bunch of water through the medium and it's flushed to me. Flushing means you're making it. So the plant no longer has any nutrients to take up. So it then uses its stored nutrients, which causes the fade, like the yellow or purple fade that we get in these families and then once it's used a bunch of its stored nutrients, that's when I would harvest it. So, no, I don't see any way you're taking anything out of the plant, first of all. 
but also just, you know, if I have this plant that I've been giving a ton of synthetic nutrients to, okay, in this cocoa, and I take it into the bathroom or outside, and I run 1,000 gallons of water through the one-gallon pot that it's sitting in, yeah, I'm going to have zero ppm of runoff coming out of the bottom of my pot. But if I did this all in a two-hour time period, my plant's not flushed. The medium's flushed, but the plant's not flushed. The plant still has all these stored nutrients in that it's going to consume. And I don't want to harvest it until it has consumed most of these nutrients in the leaves. So I'm not trying to take anything out of the plants, but I'm also not just trying to make the medium nice and clean. I need to, I need to provide an environment to where the plant is now consuming the, the last of its nutrients it has stored before I harvest it. And yeah, when before harvest, like late in flower, the plant, its growth slows down a lot. So a lot of times, like, you know, it's going to take a lot longer to flush because it's not taking up a lot of nutrients. And maybe you're right. Like, I don't know this. Like, maybe if you have amended soil or some, or some, you know, living soil or something like that, where it constantly has nutrients to take up, maybe it's like, ah, I'm getting, you know, it's late in fall. I'm not going to really take up, I'm not growing much more. So I'm not going to take up many more nutrients out of the soil. So maybe that's okay. And, and maybe it thinks like, oh, it's late in the fall. So instead of taking up more nutrients in the soil, I'm just going to use what's stored in my leaves. So then you would be able to flush, even if you have nutrients left in the soil. I don't know this. But yeah, when I think of flushing, I think of providing enough time for the plant to consume the nutrients it has stored in its leaves without giving it more nutrients to pull up from the medium. And as far as drying, yeah, I, I think, you know, people talk about having those, those leaves wrap around the buds in like a cocoon and helping it kind of like cure and dry better. I think that applies if you're somewhere where, uh, like, like in Arizona, where you, if you hang up your plants are going to dry in two days or something like that, where you need to make it create a, an environment where it takes longer to dry because really you should be drying for like at least five days if your plants are drying faster than five days you're probably going to like not have a good cure it's going to smell like hay i dry my stuff around eight to ten days that's how long i like it to take to dry <clears throat> but having those 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 leaves wrap around the bud are good if you have a problem with your plants drying too fast if you're somewhere like I was back in, in Seattle where it's wet and it takes too long to dry. You don't want those leaves on there because your, your buds might rot. I think the problem with wet trimming that people see is if you trim before you dry, you cut those leaves when they're still fresh, they start to leak out a little bit of chlorophyll. And now the smell of your buds, instead of having great terpene smell you have some terpene smell mixed with some chlorophyll smell in it that's that's what i think uh, i don't we haven't really noticed the difference in the terpenes <laughs> or the chlorophyll smell in the fresh trim versus a hang dry but uh and i actually prefer the wet trim to be honest with it just for convenience and the next level of uh process for me i like to trim for a bubble hash and i like my bubble hash made from fresh froze so that's one of the biggest factors of what trimming for me plus i find dry timing just to be very very time consuming so i try to avoid it 
Well, I always wet trimmed before. And when I was trimming, I could smell that plant matter and that chlorophyll when I'm, when I'm actually doing the trimming. But once you cure the buds, once, you, once I'd put them in jars and let them sit for a few weeks, all that chlorophyll smell was gone and all the delicious smell of the weed was back. So if there is a chlorophyll smell mixed with, with, the, with the terpenes, it's for a short period of time, in my opinion. Whereas like, if I just hang them up and dry trim it, I wouldn't have that smell of like fresh cut weed. And maybe after like a few days in a jar, there'd be a good smell. But eventually that chlorophyll breaks down anyway. So even if you wet trim, you can still, I think, get the same quality weed after it's cured. So maybe it's just like right away, right after it's all trimmed up with the dry trim, it might smell better. Whereas like wet trim might take a little bit longer because that chlorophyll needs to break down. But yeah, forever, I do. I greatly prefer wet trimming. Like I can't imagine having to dry trim weed. And at this grow now, this is the first place that I've really dry trimmed. And my last grow, I did a few times only because like I was in a hurry to get the next crop in and didn't have time to trim it all. But uh, yeah, we have trimmers that come and trim all the dry weed and they're good at it and they're used to, they're used to doing this. That's all they do. But yeah, back in the day, all I did was wet trim. I could knock down a whole room. My buddy and I'd sit there and we'd pretty much trim the whole thing in a couple of days and get the next round started. Yeah, I, I much prefer wet trimming than dry trimming. But I think you have to cure your buds in order to get that smell to be equivalent with the dry trim. That's my opinion. Have you, have you ever thought uh, about taking your skills outdoors or into the greenhouse? I'd really like to have a greenhouse. Um, I did try and do an outdoor grow. I got a, a rec license up in Washington a few years back and I had a one acre fenced in area. I built that out and we put in 400 massive plants and I basically saved up a lot of money and invested all of it in this grow. It was $330,000 I saved up and I did this tier two 10,000 square foot canopy grow, outdoor grow in Washington. I went big and the voles came and ate all my plants. I lost everything. Voles are like big, big mice or they're field mice and they come in and they eat all the bark all the way around your plant. And then your plant dies within a few days. I lost, lost the whole crop. It was a total loss. That'd be heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. How do you recover from something like that? I mean, what do you do at, at that point? Dude, I'm at the point now where I've failed so much in life. Any venture I take on, I just assume I'm going to fail. And if I succeed, that's awesome. And, and that's kind of, I think, how you need to be in life. Like, if you think you're going to be successful the first time you try something in life, good luck. But the trick is, you just don't give up. I mean, you fail and fail and fail, and eventually you will succeed. It's just a matter of numbers. If, as long as you don't give up, you eventually will succeed. And that, losing that, all that, basically all my money, that was, uh, you know, money that I, I spent years saving up and then just lost it all like that. Hey, that's just just an, another, another experience under my belt. So, you know, like this grow here that I have, yeah, I could have walked away from it and failed. But 
until I do, I haven't failed. I'm just going to keep going until it's successful. And now it's like getting there. So yeah, don't give up. I just, I don't even dwell on it. I don't think about it. It's just in the past and I just move on. I mean, if I thought about all the times I failed, I'd probably just like, I'd be the most depressed person in the world, but I don't even think about that shit. I don't even, I don't even consider it a fail. I just consider it a step in my journey to success. How do you feel about recreational legalization coming across the board? Is that something that you're glad to see or uh, what's your thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, at first when it was passed, when it was passed in Washington and before that, I was very against it because, you know, they don't let any home grows up there or anything. And I knew corporations were going to be getting into it and all this regulation, which people say is good because now stuff's tested, but guess what, man, people cheat all the tests. They're pretty much rigged. You can, I mean, go and go into any weed store in Washington or Oregon and buy yourself 20 grams of different weed and go have it tested for pesticides. And chances are half of them are going to fail. You know, it's, it's just a big game. And as much as the state and the media tries to say, Oh, it's regulated. Now it's safe. No, it's, it's just the same as before. Um, I was against legalization at first, and now at this point in my life, none of it matters to me. You just got to be like water and just flow with it. Because the guys I know that were super against legalization, they're nowhere to be found now. They all dropped off. And the guys that were for legalization and went with it, some of them are very successful now. Some of them failed. But the fact matter is, you just got to, you got to be willing to accept change and you just got to roll with the punches. I was against it at first and I was, I, I saw myself, I'm like, I'm going to be one of the guys that gets shut out of this and loses everything I have. And, you know, I can't be in the marijuana industry or I can apply for a license and, you know, be someone. And what I did is I applied for a retail license. I didn't apply for a grow license because in the, in the medical days, the growers, we were treated like shit. All these dispensaries, they just were so high and mighty, buying our weed for dirt cheap, selling it for four times, five times the price, pocketing all that money. You know, they were they just treated us like garbage. And I didn't want to be that guy just getting treated like shit. I had it a lot better than a lot of people in, in Washington because I had a YouTube channel and I was kind of popular. So when I went into the dispensary, they would buy my stuff just because of the name Medicropper. And a lot of times when I went to dispensaries, I didn't even tell them who I was because I didn't want to get that preferential treatment. But some people that, you know, people that, that didn't have a YouTube channel or just kind of like nobodies, but growing really good weed in their basement or in their closet, trying to take it to a dispensary, they got treated like shit and it was unfair. So when, when things went legal in Washington, I said, you know what? I'm sick of being the guy being treated like shit. I'm going to get the retail license and I'm not going to treat the growers like shit. I'm actually going to treat them with respect and dignity. Like I wish I was treated. And I ended up getting a retail license. So when we went legal in Washington, I got a retail license. I had a store and it was in a college town and it was the best days of my life because I got to hire the hottest college chicks that came into the store and hang. I literally hung out in a weed store all day with smoking hot college girls and just sold weed. And it was like, it was the best life could be. And these poor growers coming in, you know, we would get five, 10 people a day bringing samples into our store. And I, you know, I can't buy weed from all of them. And I felt bad about it. 
The only time I felt good about rejecting growers bringing weed into my store is these the guys that owned dispensaries back in the medical days. Some of them decided to get out of the the dispensary side and go into the grow side, and they kind of got stuck. So it's like our position swapped. So I wasn't too easy on those guys. I just wanted them to know how it felt, you know, how they treated me back back in the medical days. So, but besides that, I felt bad for a lot of the growers because growing being a grower is not where it's at owning a store is and right now i i own this grow in oregon but i'm telling you what i would swap it for a store any day because if you want to get into legal weed get yourself a store that's where the money is and that's where the fun is way less stressful all you do is hang out people bring you weed and you sell it and you hang out these grows it's way too stressful so i'm not against legalization i'm not for it I just feel like whenever there's change, be able to adapt to it because that's how you're going to survive. That's good, good advice. Kind of, kind of spoiled my next question there, but that's a, uh, that's very good advice there. So, that is your your opinion. That's would you say that's a safe spot as recreational comes across there? Is is that the safe spot? What, uh, getting a store? Yeah. yeah. That's where I'd be. I've owned grows and I've owned stores, and by far I would take the store over the grow. Way less money to invest, and, I mean, you maybe do a little bit of advertising. Other than that, you just, you just have wheat on your shelves and people will come buy it. You know, I kind of agree with you, to be honest with you, in a lot of, a lot of aspects. As far as the recreational, wanting to step up into the big boy market, you're probably right. You're probably absolutely right there. I'm I'm on the other side of legalization there for wrecking. I'm, I'm terrified of it. I really am. <laughs> you know, it sounds good on so many fronts, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of drawbacks. I think a lot of people are going to get screwed over in the process. And I think a lot of things... I think I think a lot of people, a lot of things in cannabis will get screwed over by the legalization, the rectal legalization of cannabis here in the United States. Uh, from everybody across the board. So I think you might be right as far as the, the safe spot being the storefront, but I think a lot of other people are going to lose a lot of other aspects. I think... Uh, the, the medical side of things, research and funding, funding for research will will get fall to the wayside. I'm hoping that just the medical research in general doesn't fall fall behind because of the lack of interest. Because I've already seen it as more and more states go recreational, less and less medical cards are being pulled, which that's less numbers you know, to show for research. So I'm afraid that there's going to be a lot of loss there. And then there's another aspect that I didn't even consider until I spoke with uh, Brett Bogg the other night, and he was kind of insinuating that uh, big business, a wreck, it's going to fuck a lot of people. You know, a lot of these states that are thinking they're okay and in, in the good years of you know, being on the books and producing quality bud, when rec comes, they may dish out a whole new set of rules for everybody 
that may break some of the, you know, the already established folks. So I think the filter of who will make it to the next step uh, will be greatly weaned down and provide a great step for, you know, big, big business to come rolling in after they've taken out, you know, new, new guidelines have taken out a lot of people. They're going to come rolling in with the money and the know-how and, you know, roll over a lot of people. I'm, I'm honestly afraid. Of yeah, I'm, I'm not happy about it at all. My, my whole goal in growing weed originally was to teach as many people how to grow as possible. And with most the legalization, like in Washington, you're not allowed to grow any weed. You're allowed to go to the store and buy it. And I think that's totally fucked up. In Oregon, you can have like three or six plants or something like that, but it's still regulated. I would prefer a world where anybody can grow weed and there's just there's there should be no rules pertaining to weed whatsoever. Like I don't understand why there even needs to be rules. And all these people getting screwed over, you're exactly right. And that's what's fucked up about legalization. And when I say say go get a store, yeah, what you're like maybe one in ten thousand people might even have a chance at getting a store. So I mean it's unrealistic for pretty much everybody. I think every everyone should just be allowed to grow their own weed and be and you know not be harassed by the government, not be raided because they're not going to the store or paying tax. And that's the thing I don't like about legalization. It's because the government's involved in it. I don't like anything the government's involved in. That's why I don't even live in America anymore. Yeah, I agree. Well, I I hope that's like just fear mongering, to be honest with you. But I, I honestly see think that's going to be the way. I think for a lot of people, with with us being on the verge, I think for a lot of people that's wanting to get into the bigger market, I think it would almost be wise to kind of sit back and to watch, see how some of this stuff plays out before I'd seek a lot of money into some of it. But. Then again, you know, it may not affect anything, and then you may have missed the cowboy days of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, most people aren't going to be able to start a legal grow or have a store or be any part of the legal market. I mean, some of these states, like what in Florida, there was two two retail licenses for sale for like $40 million or something like that. Like most of these states, you can't even try to try to get in on it at least Oregon allows you to grow some plants on your own you know but uh yeah most people they're not going to have enough money to even invest in something and it's like even in Oregon you can get you can get a license anybody can get a, a, a license to have a store but then it just dilutes the whole market and then you have to have the money to invest in it all and have you know probably like a year's worth of operating expenses so it's tough, man. It's tough. So I just, I hope everyone can still grow their weed. And, and if it's not legal, you know, maybe if your state makes it legal and then says you can't grow at home, I just keep growing at home anyway. And as long as everybody's growing at home, they're not going to be able to do anything about it. They're not going to read everybody. You know, I have a friend who's on the, the anti-drug task force in California. He flies helicopters around and raids grows. And I just recently met this guy. He's actually the husband of 
a girl that I was friends with a long time ago and we just reconnected. She's like, oh, my husband is a helicopter pilot and this is what he does. He told me that this year when they fly around California and raid grows, they are not they are not going to destroy any plants on private property. The only time they're going to cut down plants is if people are growing on the national forest land. And maybe there's like, maybe the county will do something different. He's working for like a, the National Guard. But he says, if if there's a, an illegal grow, if it's on, he says what people do is like their, their property backs up the National Forest and they'll plant like half of their plants on their own property, but then also plant into the, the federal land. They'll land the helicopter, chop the plants down on the federal land and fly away. And they won't arrest anyone. They won't take their plants to their own property. They're just making sure no one's grown weed on the, on the federal land. So, I mean, that's good. You know, they're, they're not bothering people as much. And if you fly around in a helicopter in Northern California, practically every property you fly over is growing weed. So as long as they keep doing that, there's no way the government's going to be able to get everybody. So that, and that's always been my philosophy, just like overgrow the world, open the floodgates, make it impossible for them to even compete with us. You know, I, I scares me about the federal land, though. I'm not necessarily like in a federal park, but when I bought this house, I'm, I'm like close to a national forest. I actually so close to when I bought this house, I'm like, I'm watching Google as I'm trying to find the house because Google was a half mile, mile off anyway. And it's telling me, you know, turn here. And there was nothing there. And I'm watching the map and as I'm driving forward, I'm driving into the green federal federal forest area. I'm like, is this house even for sale? We're 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 in the middle of the fucking Huron National Forest here. <laughs> so that kind of scares me a little bit that they're flying over the federal land looking for the plants. Does that mean me even though I own my lot? <laughs> yeah, hopefully they don't bug you. <laughs> So have you ever put your thoughts to uh, breeding at all? I mean, it sounds like you've got a hell of a nose for it. I mean, uh, and a knack for it and the name for it. Have you ever put yeah, your you know, thoughts I, to... Yeah, uh, I thought about it. I thought about it. You know, I did a cross. I got I got a pack of seeds, gauge green seeds, several years ago. It was uh, Mendo Breath crossed with Forum Girl Scout cookies. And I think they only had 10 packs. And I got one of those packs. They never sold them. And I popped those and I took a male, a male that I really liked, and I crossed it with four strains. I crossed it back with Forum Cut Girl Scout cookies. I crossed it with Sunset Sherbert. I crossed it with my Chem Dog. And I crossed it with Cookies and Cream 13. And at the time, I didn't know how many seeds you could get off of a plant. So when I made that cross, it was in a 25 light flower room. I had a hundred big plants in there and off of 25 lights, you can get hundreds of thousands of seeds. And that's exactly what I did. I got hundreds of thousands of seeds. Okay. I ended up having them in these big storage totes. I didn't separate the seeds from the shake. You know, they have those like seed separating machines. I didn't have one of those. So I had them in like garbage bags and I had them in storage totes. And this guy came in, painted our two-car garage for us and my 
my wife, we're not married, but I just call her my wife for like, you know, we have a family. We're just not married. She was cleaning out our garage and found these totes with all these seeds in it. And it was like shake and seeds mix. And she tells the guy that because he, you could tell he liked to smoke weed. He's like an old hippie. He's a cool guy. She, her payment, instead of paying him money to paint the garage, she's like, hey, instead of money, would you like some marijuana? And he's like, oh, yeah, I love marijuana. And she gave him all my seeds. It was about 150 pounds of seed slash shake. So she gave this to this guy. Luckily, I got back most of my chem dog seeds and my cookies and cream seeds, the crosses. But the Sunset Sherbert cross, I never got back any of those seeds or the, the forum cookies. So anyway, about eight months ago, I popped some of these seeds. And I didn't, I didn't breed those seeds to sell. I thought, okay, I'll breed these, I'll pop them, and then I'll pick out some, some males that I like and maybe use those to make some crosses. So anyway, actually, I finally popped some. It's been a few years. And the next room of flower I'm going to put into flower in like three weeks is going to be a pheno hunt. I, I got rid of all the males that I popped. And I have maybe uh, 20 or so different females, different phenos that I'm putting into flower. And actually, I did a couple of them last round and they turned out excellent. But this would be the first time I actually pheno hunt seeds. So this is why I'm like against seeds because it just takes way too much time and energy. But I thought about breeding, but there's already so many breeders. I don't want to step on anyone's toes or just be like another guy trying to sell seeds. But I think it'd be really fun to breed. And I wouldn't need to do 20, 25 lights worth of seeds to have a ton of seeds. But I feel like I, I would I would probably give out more seeds than I'd sell. I'd probably just be like, hey, give me your address and I'll send you free seeds just to get as many seeds out there as possible. But I've thought about it a lot, but I haven't actually executed on on the idea. Well, I think I, why not? You've seen how many seeds uh, a plant can produce, and with that being said, uh, it's easy to do the math on, like you know, five packs, you know, per versus what you got in that room. Imagine if all those were had been packed up and shipped. It's a it's a whole new bug game. You wouldn't have made that from that same room of flour. Yeah, I mean, if you if I was selling seeds, like, what do they wholesale for like five bucks a seed? That's crazy. Like, I mean, a, a 20 light room, let's say even if I got three pounds of light, I get 60 pounds and you sell it for $2,000 a pound, that's $120,000. That's a lot of money out of a 20 light room. Let's say I do a 20 light room of seeds. And get like five hundred thousand seeds. You said that you said the key word there. That's wholesale. That's wholesale. That's what you'd sell the distributors for. That's not pack price necessarily or current pack price. You know, I mean, yeah. they're actually closer to ten. You know, retail yeah. is closer to ten. Yeah, I mean, five hundred thousand seeds times five bucks a seed. That's two point five million dollars. But who in the hell is going to buy five hundred thousand seeds? I'd probably be selling like hundred packs of seeds for twenty bucks, you know. So. Well, that's the thing. Well, now you're talking a whole different market. You know what I mean? Farms, farms are being sold. You know what I mean? You know, farmers are actually buying now by the pound. You probably sell a one farmer a hundred fifty pounds easy. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. know, to be sold. Yeah. Now's the, definitely the time. I don't like feminized seeds, though. I, I only like the regular seeds. 
anytime I've messed around with feminized seeds, I'm always getting nanners and unstable genetics. And maybe with new technologies, people are able to do feminized seeds that are stable. But I just like the regular seeds. Just get rid of the males if I don't want them and have nice, stable females. And I'm actually, there's a guy on Instagram called Grow420Grow, and he owns a, his seed company is called Sunken Treasure Seeds. And he's buddies with Capulator, which is another breeder. And he's on Instagram. Capulator did Mac, the Mac one. So Grow420Grow, he did some collab with Capulator. And they did uh, a Mac Stomper cross. And he crossed Mac Stomper with Oregon Kids Banana OG. And he also crossed, crossed Mac Stomper with Sunday Driver. And he sent me these packs to seeds. And they're actually, I germinated them with my, my chemical breath, which is the chem dog cross with foramendo. And then the foramendo cream, which is the cookies and cream 13 cross with foramendo. So these are all the ones I'm testing now. But yeah, he sent me some wonderful seeds. And, and also like with all the genetics that I have available to me, like I'm always getting these awesome genetics. I could probably be making some really good crosses and stuff. You know, to be honest, I could do some good crosses. But it would always be regular seeds. I don't think I'd ever mess around with feminized stuff. And also like back crossing and all that. I don't know the ins and outs of all that. I'm sure it's not hard to learn. It's like plant biology or plant genetics. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been very lucky. I'm very fortunate to, to be in the position where I can get good genetics just because I know a lot of people. And when they get good genetics, they offer them to me for, for, for free. So, I mean, just to, in the last week, I've gotten several new strains. It's like, all these strains that I've been excited about growing for the past, you know, year or eight months. It's like, I don't even need to grow those anymore. I've got all this new stuff now that I can grow. So it's like just way, way too many awesome strains available to me. And back in the day, man, that was not the case. And I know there's people out there right now all across the world that have shitty genetics and have no way to get really good stuff. And I just, you know, I just, I wish there was a way to get them stuff like that. And I guess with seeds, they can do it. They just have to invest the time. But yeah, I'm fortunate to be able to get off some genetics. So where's uh, 21 going to take you? What, what are you, some of your uh, plans for uh, this coming year and uh, the future? So about almost two years ago, before I took over this grow, I was scheduled with my family to move to Europe. Okay. And a month before we moved, things worked out to where I had to come down and take over this grow. So that's what I did. And my family went to Europe and they've been there for more than a year and a half now. And I've gone to see them. I don't know, maybe I've flown back and forth seven or eight times in, in the past year and a half. And it got to the point to where when I was there this last month, I went there basically for the month of January and part of February. Uh, my wife decided that we have to break up because I'm not around anymore. And I'm very conservative when it comes to family. Like I, I think that the best thing for kids is to have their biological mother and father in the house with them, raising them. And the way I was raised, I got to see my mom every day and I got to see my dad every day and we lived together. And based on my research as a weed grower that basically watches YouTube and fucks off all day, I've determined that having your biological parents in a happy, healthy relationship, raising you in the same household 
is the most beneficial thing you can give a child. So she's like trying to end a relationship and, and she doesn't do research on stuff like this. So she doesn't think it's that big of a deal, but I was able to salvage my relationship, but I need to be in Europe. So instead of flying back here until May or June, when I was scheduled to fly back for another visit, I have now cut my trip short and I'm here for less than three weeks. And in, well, on Thursday, today's what, Monday? In three days, I'm driving back up to Washington. I'll be there for a few days and then I'm flying back to Europe. And I'll be there until sometime in June. So at this point in my life, I'm kind of giving up on the weed grow and focusing on my family in Europe. And if I lose the weed grow or if it all falls apart and I lose all the money I put into it, it is worth it for me in order to have my family. And I'd like to be at the weed grow. I'd like to have both. But the fact of the matter is where my family's at right now is a great place. Our daughters are in awesome schools. We don't have to wear masks. We don't have to worry about civil tension or political division and people hating each other and all the bullshit that's going on in America. We can just live over there and be happy and it's awesome. So that's where my family needs to be. And there's no way in hell she's going to move back here anytime soon anyway. So I'm forced to be in Europe for 2021. And I'll come back here as often as possible to check in on things. But for the most part, I'm going to be living in Europe. I don't think there is anybody that within earshot that couldn't respect that. So totally, totally respect that. Uh, family first should be first. And you're exactly right on everything you've said there as far as keeping the, the family unit together. I, I, I have, yeah, I can very much agree. Without throwing a, a lot of my personal opinion in there, I yeah I agree two two hundred percent. You're you're on there. You can always pick up and you know as far as I'm concerned and in my opinion your your canvas genius with your growing there that them skills can never be taken away. You know what I mean? You can always start that again. It's funny that we're talking about that. See that white case over my shoulder there. <laughs> I've always said that, you know, I, I could always get by with two things. You know, things went wrong. You had to do your bug out. And, and two things I could, you know, survive with. That case and my nail bags. And I could start over and be just fine. And, and then that case is just a, a, it's full of seeds. It's all genetics. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I guarantee you, I could always throw seeds in, start over. It'd take me about four months. I'd be back on. You know what I mean? And, I, and the same thing with you. Just all fell through. I have no no doubts within you know, a few months' time you could have everything up and rolling again and just be a matter of time before you're re recuperating. So, yeah, take care of that family. I don't think there's anybody that would, you know, that's, yeah, much respect for you for having your memorials in the right place. Yeah, and, you know, as much as I like cannabis, and it's just been a huge part of my life, I, I can say that when legalization happened and things got diluted and just went to more, you know, corporate business, all about making money, it turned me off. Like I made money in the medical industry, but what I liked the most about it was the fact that I was growing weed for people that were patients that needed it to either 
stay alive or die without pain or function normally in society. And I felt really good about myself, you know, supplying people that were like waiting for a kidney transplant or cancer patients, like they were trying to eat so they can actually like, you know, survive as long as possible, people that could just function and go to work and be normal. That meant a lot to me. And I know, or I, I imagine there's people out there that see me as a grower that doesn't smoke and think, oh, he's just doing it for the money and he doesn't care about us. He's just trying to make money. And that's not true. And when legalization happened, you know, I kind of got turned off on it because it started going to like, oh, here comes all the, all the people that are trying to make money. I can't have my medical patients anymore because Washington's getting rid of the medical system. And it just kind of turned me off and I kind of got out of growing and I had that store for a little while and that was a lot of fun. Okay. But it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really fulfilling work and I was going to move to Europe and be fine and be done with marijuana. And I kind of got thrown into this grow and yeah, it's, I'm down here and I've been running it for almost two years and it's now successful, but it's still just a legal grow. And I'm thinking like, what can I do next? And I can go back over, I can go over to Europe where the country that we're at, marijuana is extremely illegal, but you know, maybe I can do microgreens and at least like get good nutrients into people's bodies over there. Maybe I can do medical mushrooms, not psychedelic stuff, but like stuff that can benefit, benefit people. Or maybe, you know, I, I started, I started grow in Spain. Like I've got friends in Spain where I can go there and start a grow and but, you know, still, even there, it seems like it's a lot about money. So if I can find work or something that I can do that's like fulfilling in life, that's that's all that matters to me. So that's what I'm looking at trying to do. And that's why I'm thinking about maybe like mushrooms or microgreens that are at least really healthy for people, something along those lines. Because the cannabis industry, since it went legal, it's, it's really just kind of turned me off. And I've continued with it because that's what I know and that's what I've done. But it's just not like it was back in the days, you know, before in the medical days. Nothing like being muted with a legendary guest. <laughs> uh, so hopefully everything will work out to where, you know, things will prosper over here and you'll be able to keep both and uh, be able to hopefully pick up and start a, a whole new thing over there. I mean, you know, outside of where you are now, they love cannabis over there in Europe and uh, hopefully you can find a niche over there as well in the same market. Yeah. And you know, about six months ago, I invested in a bunch of psychedelic mushroom spores here in the U.S. because I thought I'd be able to pull off the, you know, having the family over there and also being over here because mushrooms really turned me on because obviously I'm a weed grower and I do a lot of research on the computer and screw off because that's what, you know, that's, I like to be lazy. And I was really getting into mushrooms and like the effects of, 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 of uh, mushrooms on people's health, like microdosing and things like that. This is amazing stuff. And it, it I didn't feel this way about anything since I discovered the benefits of cannabis, however many years ago. And mushrooms now are like really turning me on and I'd really like to be a part of that. But now I'm kind of, I'm going to Europe and I can't take, obviously I can't take psychedelic mushroom spores over there to where I'm going because I, I get in big trouble. But uh, 
there are, mushrooms are actually something I'd consider doing regularly, like microdosing mushrooms. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that helped me out a bunch. Yeah, yeah, I, but I, they're good. Sorry, go ahead. Please. Yeah, it's 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 a way to like help people out, you know, with P PTSD and depression. If all this stuff I'm reading about mushrooms is true, I think it could really help a lot of people in society. And I don't think there's a lot of money to to make in in the mushroom industry, you know. But still, it it could benefit me. Like I don't smoke weed, but I would consider doing mushrooms even regularly, you know, in small doses but also be able to help other people that, that suffer from things that they can help. So that's what I liked about it. It's uh, who is it? nature's best nugs in chat here. It says spores aren't illegal. They're right. You can, spores aren't illegal. You can travel the, the worldwide. It isn't until they come above the ground and kind of fruit is when mushrooms are illegal, but you can mail spores across the world. <laughs> Truffles are actually psychedelic, psychedelic truffles are actually a loophole uh, because they never break ground uh, and aren't legal. But uh, the, there is a lot of benefit to uh, the psychedelic mushrooms. I think it's no, no uh, coincidence, I say this a lot too, that uh, cannabis and mushrooms, a uh, couple of homeopathic herbal remedies are kind of coming back right now and it kind of can they're they're uh they're making everybody more conscious of uh our place in the universe and on earth here i think bringing us back we're taking a step back to a real real uh era where you know we can take care of ourselves and uh without all this poisons that's being pushed on us i don't I think we're we're stepping up and raising our, our vibration as a <clears throat> humanity in general. And I think these plants are helping us achieve that. Yeah, I, I've uh, recently I've been more, you know, my whole life I've well not my whole life. When I was when I was younger, I was a total class clown. But once I got into cannabis I became a lot more serious in life and I've had a lot of stress in my life I went from being like the funny guy that everybody just constantly laughs at just because I'm being myself to like the super serious guy who people see as like you know people call me an asshole sometimes like I'm really serious and strict and that's stressful now that I've kind of gotten away from all this and been over in Europe it's like I can relax and the stress of all, all this legal weed shit is kind of like goes on the back burner. And I've been able to be a lot more relaxed and less stressful and really start focusing on, you know, having good energy and more natural healing stuff. Like over there, we don't take medicine. We've got my wife. She's all into this shit. Like these little white balls are like sugar balls, uh, homeopathic stuff. But we're all about natural healing. And I know it sounds kind of corny, but like, I'm, you know, we, we meditate, we work on having like good energy. And it's, it's like a total shift for me from being like this serious person. that's like got the goal in mind and everybody needs to do everything perfect. And if you don't, I'm going to be pissed off at you 
to being like super laid back and relaxed with just like loving energy and going out and smiling to everybody and like walking into the room and you know your energy brings up the mood of everybody in the room way better lifestyle than I had before and this is like what I'm transitioning into and I'm in the process of doing it but uh the stress levels that I have now are like way lower than before I'm not worried about losing things or you know if the grow fails fuck it I'm going to be just fine anyway I got my family you know it's it's a totally different lifestyle and I just think mushrooms really helped me kind of open up spiritually you know intellectually more like a probably trip on mushrooms and like get all these great ideas but well, I mean, the first time I ever ate those edibles, it's like, I felt like writing a book. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate. The first time you got high, it's like, it's like the scene in, in Half-Baked, where the first time they smoke weed and they go into the, the grocery store and, you know, have, have that whole scene. That was a wild trip, man. I won't even get into the details about that. I've told that story before to people. But yeah, I think mushrooms could could definitely alter my brain to where, you know, temporarily at least, to where I could... Uh, be a lot happier in life that's the thing though it isn't temporary you know what i mean it's the doors that the mushrooms unlock because i, I i'm a frequent life doser myself and I, I noted this all across the board anybody that i know that that does utilize psychedelics them doors stay open you know what i mean and uh it's a consciousness that does take you to another level and I, I highly suggest it, you know, for a person like yourself, it sounds like it's just what you need, to be honest with you. It sounds like you were already down that path anyway, so you might as well open the doors of enlightenment. Uh, uh, there's so much it there to, it's to be had. That's a whole next level. I It's through, it's through, uh, psychedelics and raising your vibration that uh, you could achieve like say the Akashic records that the next level of knowledge and uh, Buddhism I'm kind of headed down that road of Buddhism as well just kind of letting things happen and uh, it's it's more of a peaceful life helping others and just knowing the value of what you're doing and taking the, the good out of whatever moment that you're in is so much more fulfilling for sure yeah it sounds like you you're definitely on the right right path I don't know what changed uh, along the ways but it sounds like you're definitely in 21 headed down the right road for sure yeah I'm, I'm excited to get back over to Europe uh, where we live is in Eastern Europe. And it's a totally different lifestyle than the rest of the world. It's way more relaxed, way more inclusive. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely have some fun over there for sure. Way cheaper. And we can afford to live over there really well. We have a house in Washington that we rent out on Airbnb. And just the revenue alone from that not only pays all our bills at the house, but pays all of our bills living in Europe, too. So it's not like I have to worry about money. I mean, plus I have, you know, I started mining Bitcoin in what, like 2014 or 2013. I've been in the crypto game for a long time. So that's all up right now. I mean, I really don't have to do anything. Financially, we're just fine. So yes, yeah, it's, it's, I can basically do whatever I want to. And I, what I want to do is I want to go over there and I want to start at least one business where I get to do, you know, interact with people and help people out. 
whether that be on a nutritional or medicinal level, whatever, but I'm excited to have some fun. And maybe I'll start a business that doesn't do anything like that too. You know, I thought about starting some, some business like, you know, selling grow equipment or, you know, things like that, where I'm not really making a big impact in people's lives directly, but it's still profitable. So I, I don't have to do a business, you know, that's, that's necessarily good or helpful to people, you know, as long as it's not bad or detrimental to people, I, I think I'll be just fine. But yeah, I was, I think I should probably Definitely. check in while I'm over there though. Like I feel like making videos when I'm over there sometimes, but my channel is my YouTube channel is a weed channel. It's like, who wants to see Medicropper in Europe, like doing, you know, at some castle or like out in the woods, doing something like that. I, I, it just doesn't really go with my channel. I feel like people wouldn't like that. So I never uploaded any videos when I was over there. I think people would, I think people would, they're always interested. That was the, one of the biggest reasons I started this show, to be honest with you, is I've, I've been in the cannabis industry for a long time myself. And when I, it was so long now, every time I went to an event, it was the same thing over and over. I got to see, meet new people, but it was the same thing. Every time I seen him, it's the same weed conversation, weed conversation, weed conversation. I got to wondering what, what else, you know, what else is this cat like? You know, what else, you, you know, what are these people into? So I would, I think that people would appreciate, you know, another glimpse into your life besides cannabis. That's for sure. Uh, that's what I found out as far as doing this show is people love hearing the backstories. They absolutely love hearing the backstories of uh, what people led people up to cannabis and uh, their first experiences. They absolutely love it. I, I love it. I, I love hearing the stories myself. I've had a great time tonight hearing your story. <laughs> yeah, and you know, a lot of the stuff I said on your show tonight, I haven't shared with anybody. Like even about my history of growing, you know, that's all, always been a secret. So, but at this point, it's like, I'm kind of out of the industry, even though I'm sitting here in a building that has 120 lights of flower going right now. But yeah, it's like some things I always wanted to keep a secret, but at this point it doesn't really matter, I guess. So. Man, 120 lights. It sounds like a, a beautiful operation there. All in flower? Is that all flower light lighting? Yeah, 120 flower lights plus veg on top of that. All cocoa? Yep. You uh, flood and drain? Is that how you're running your cocoa? Nope. Nope, I have. So the goal is I have infinity beds, but I haven't installed them yet. So right now, it's all drained to waste, but it's automatic feeding. Like uh, my plants get fed. It's I'm still fine-tuning the all of it, but like one room, for example, they're getting fed 12 times a day for 40 seconds with little drippers, Okay. Some of them are doing only four times a day, but I'm doing it for like a minute and a half or two minutes. So I'm trying to still dial all that in. But yeah, just just uh, just top feeding with drippers. As a large scale cultivator, what are your thoughts on autos? 
Well, the autos that I've dealt with or seen in the past all sucked. And I, I never, and that's like 10 years ago. And then I heard about them coming on, like developing more, more recently. And a buddy of mine, this last growth season, did eight acres of autoflower seeds. And it turned out fire. The weed, it was excellent. It was outdoor weed, but it was absolutely excellent. It smelled so good. The buds were so beautiful. They were dense. And he, what I think he planted his plants, I want to say like July 1st and harvested them like August 28th or something like that. And they did eight acres and it was just beautiful weed. I was so impressed. They did have to have to rip out like a few herms or males, but that was like maybe one in a hundred plants did that. They have this full eight acres of just beautiful, beautiful outdoor autoflower weed. So I hear people still talking shit about them. And a year ago, I probably would have talked shit about them. But after seeing that outdoor crop that my friends did, I think they've come a long way and there's definitely a place for them. And I even went up and checked on this other grow, this girl, she was running by herself because her husband had died and like last year. So she's like trying to do it for her first time this year. And someone asked me to come up and just give her some advice. So I went up there and she had this autoflower, super, super lemon, super lemon autoflower. It's like a super lemon haze or something. It didn't look like super lemon haze, but anyway, she put it in like a 15 gallon pot and just put it outside. And it was like mid July. And this thing was ready to harvest. And it had great bud structure. It didn't need any support, no trellis. You know, it was only like three or four feet tall. No stakes. It supported all its own weight. Great uh, bud to leaf ratio. Solid, dense, frosty, stinky buds. I was so impressed with this. So the autoflowers that I've seen in Southern Oregon this last year, I thought looked really good. talk about uh we talked about seeds i mean you know, if you're thinking about making seeds I mean, with the emerging auto market i would almost if i were to think about making seeds i'd have to put some thought into autos i mean i love my photos don't get me wrong but we're talking business here <laughs> we're talking about business and making money that's a, a self-feeding system there's no clone in the models you got to come back for seeds and that, that, you know, large scales, eight, eight acre farms, that's a lot of seeds. You know, you get a lot of people doing that. They're definitely, and that's a returning market. You know what I mean? That's a repetitive market. There's, there would be some good money in auto, auto seeds. I would think. Yeah. I, I don't know how to breed them. I don't know how people do that, but I mean, if you cross them with like a photo seed, what if you get you know, the photogenetics and they don't auto flower. Like, I don't know anything about that, but I know uh, they bought all those seeds for a dollar a seed. I think they bought 250,000 seeds. Yeah. It, I think it, okay. It, so, yeah, like say that that's the math I'm talking about. So, you, you know, 250,000 seeds at a piece, that's $250,000. If you can get off three crops a year, that's, that's, that's a million dollars for one grower <laughs> a year. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, that's, that's, that's sustainable coin there. <laughs> it makes me, that actually makes me want to 
think about going that way myself. Holy cow. Thinking about them kind of numbers like that. Especially hearing you're impressed with fly. I have, that was the same way. I've, I've kind of tried them a few times. Even like three years ago, I tried some that were rags. I didn't even think there was that, uh, the beast. I thought they were all kind of like auto flower FMs back then. I'm like, what? I still got to call all my males? Yeah. They were 75% males. I was very let down with them. But man, I see some people up north in Canada crushing them now. I see a lot of good, good auto genetics. Uh, it just makes me think there's a growing niche there for sure. Yeah, especially with all these outdoor farms. I mean, I'm in Southern Oregon. It's like everybody's grown outdoors. And like I said, yeah, these were autoflower feminized seeds and they just had a few males they had to pull. But yeah, they did a great job with it. So I bet someone's making a lot of money selling those seeds. Because I know one of their friends did 50 acres last year. And however many seeds that is, it's got to be, you know, several million dollars worth of seeds. Have you ever thought about rolling your hand in the hemp industry? No, I have not. I have a buddy that did that. And well, as far as growing, no, but I actually teamed up with someone else and we did a business plan to do a CBD extraction company, like where we just extract CBD or, you know, other cannabinoids out of the hemp. Uh, but we couldn't get funding. We needed, we needed, I think, $4 million to start it up. And at the last minute, our investor backed out. So we didn't do it. I just heard the other day, I got to reach out to this gentleman and uh, figure out, but he, he was saying the other day, the government, federal government's given out $200,000 grants to uh, cannabis-based companies, startups. And he said he actually knew one of his friends that had applied for two because he had two different, you know, business adventures going there. But man, it seems like even the feds are starting to wake up and uh, start back in the cannabis industry. There's so many different levels to get into right now. I just, I'm, I'm, I am excited a little bit on some, at least on the hemp, <laughs> on the hemp aspect of it, because there is, there's so many things that can be done with it. Plastics, building materials, clothes, boats, you know, fuel, you know, it can replace a lot of stuff. So I hope that at least legal hemp comes through. Yeah, I hope someone starts making some hempcrete soon so we can start building houses with hempcrete. There's a lot in clothes and hemp clothes are expensive right now, but if people just keep growing it, you know, even industrial hemp, that's like the, you know, you don't get CBD out of it. I, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe you can make hemp creep from either one. I'm pretty sure you can close. I don't know. Probably both too. But yeah, I mean, Southern Oregon, where I'm at in the Medford area, I mean, there's like, there are thousands of acres of hemp here every, every summer, the whole Valley stinks like weed. And I think the first year I didn't think this, but now I'm pretty sure that most of those hemp fields around me, they're not growing hemp, they're growing weed. 
because nobody checks to see if it's weed. And for the right amount of money, you can have it tested and the test results will say it's hemp. So I'm just putting that out there. A lot of people growing hemp around here. That's not hemp. So is that, are they open to it over there, over in Europe? Are they uh, open to hemp at least over there? The country that I live in? No, not at all. They're not open to anything. If you have, if you have a picture of a marijuana plant on your phone, you can go to jail for six years. Okay. They don't fuck around at all where I'm at. And as far as they're concerned, hemp and weed are the same thing. So yeah, when I check my Instagram over there, I gotta be, I gotta be pretty sneaky about it, but I think I I would not get in trouble because I'm also American and I, it's legal here. So they probably wouldn't give me a hard time. But yeah, some of the people over there, like I know some kid planted like a weed seed in his parents' garden. And I saw the picture on the news. It's like the scraggly ass 24 inch beanstalk of a weed plant. It was probably even a male. And that kid, he was like 17 and he went to prison for like 12 years. He got arrested and convicted in like the weekend for just having a little tiny weed plant. There's billboards. They have billboards in this country with like a snake and a weed plant saying like, you know, don't be fooled by cannabis. It's so dangerous. And that's one of the things that I really don't like about the country is that it's just, they're just, the government is not open-minded. I late, I've more recently found out that like pretty much all the people, especially younger people, like anyone under 50, if you talk about weed with them, they're like all for it, but they won't admit that publicly, you know, because the government will, will, they just do not like anything about that. So but if that government changes soon, then, you know, maybe the new leader would be okay with, with cannabis. At first I was embarrassed. Like my wife, she's like, don't tell anyone you're in the weed industry. If, if the, if the school finds out that you work in the weed industry, our daughters will get kicked out of school. And then like, it wasn't until a year later, I accidentally slipped and told one of the husbands of one of the people that works at the school, what I do. And he got all excited about it. And then the next, the next few, like a few days later, when I saw him again, I think it's like wife wanted to fuck me. And it's like, now people know that I grow weed. It's like the guys all want to be my friend and all the chicks just start dripping anytime they get around me. Cause I'm like this American guy that grows weed. Whereas I, I, I thought that like, if I told people that they wouldn't even want to talk to me. So. Yeah, I can relate to that though. I mean, in a country that didn't have any weed, I'd want to know the guy that had some what. I'd be the first guy I'd be looking to make friends with. <laughs> Can you at least tell me how to grow my own? <laughs> for sure, for sure. That's what I, I, yeah, well, I hope things change over there. I, I think it would be tough for me, man. Not even a picture, man. I would... I've been so cannabis my whole life, and it would be so hard, so hard for me. Wow. But it's for a good cause. I mean, it's all for the right reasons. So what do you do? What do you do? You're doing the right thing. Yeah, the, the first time I, I met that guy, the, the husband, and told him what I did, uh, a few days later, he, he messaged me. He's like, hey, I'd like to meet, meet up with you for lunch. So we met up for lunch. And he, you know what he shows up with? He shows up with a grow equipment catalog. He had traveled to like Spanibus in Spain and got like, you know, a catalog from like 
you know, uh, you know, one of the one of the manufacturers, he's got like all the nutrients in there and the grow lights. He's like showing me all this stuff. And, and he's the one that, he wants to start a business. He's like in the country where we live, it's a big manufacturing country. He's like, I know people that can make this and make this and make this and we can start our business and start making grow equipment. So I'm like, hey, you know, it's something I consider doing. So when I go back there next week, I'm going to meet up with him and talk to him about it more because, you know, as a grower, there's a lot of stuff a lot of equipment that just doesn't work right or can be improved upon. And I wouldn't mind like coming up with a, a new brand that actually makes something the way that I would like it to be made. I mean, there's, there's some things that I'm working with right now that I just despise, but it's like the only good option to even use, but it could be so much better. So I'm thinking about going to Europe and being like, okay, here, take this reverse engineer it and make it way better and make it do these things because I keep telling the guys to make it do this and they refuse to fix it. And most of this stuff we're buying to use uh, for, you know, in our grows right now is made in China anyway. It's like cheap Chinese garbage. So I can take and have it made for almost as cheap in Europe, not take as much as high as a profit off of it and actually have good equipment to use over here. So it's one of my business ideas. Yeah, and you get to say, you get to say industry related. Uh, so you get hard to get kind of stay in the game. That's pretty cool, man. I, I would definitely pursue that. Oh, yeah. And I'll, and you, I'll tell you, you know, something you else. Should... Oh, you want to go? You want to talk? You can see. You can go. I was just going to say that, and you stay on course with your, your want to of helping people. You know what I mean? especially in an industry uh, a country where you can't grow you're definitely going to be sneaking a few lights inadvertently you know what i mean not sneaking a few lights but I, i'm sure you'd be having somebody in that area buy a light or two or equipment and be doing their thing there as well that's yeah yeah i would i would want to i would want to import the stuff to the u.s for the u.s market like western europe but uh, I haven't, you know, when I meet more people, I'm still curious if I'm ever going to get invited to an illegal weed grow over there. Because I know Russia, which is not far from the country that I live in, there's people growing weed illegally in Russia. And I've thought about, you know, flying to Russia just to check it out because I've never been there. And I bet I could probably get a tour of someone's illegal weed grow in Russia. It'd be dangerous, but it'd be fun. But I think the country where I live, I don't think there's any weed grows at all. I don't. I've never encountered anyone smoking weed or talking about it publicly. So I can't imagine there's a, a single weed grower where I live. Yeah, I think I'd be giddy. Every conversation I had over there with somebody like that gentleman, where you can't, you, you'd want to tell, but you couldn't. If you, you, how many times has the word, if you only knew? left left your mouth with that gentleman because i'm yep. sure you could probably just blow blow his mind with just a few pictures heck even one of your videos <laughs> a little link to a couple of your old old videos <laughs> he'd probably be like holy shit yeah this was 10 years ago <laughs> yeah hell yeah Oh, look, Andy man's trying to guess where, I, where I'm living right now. He says Moldova. And I, I I actually went to Moldova. What? Like, actually, about a year ago, I went to Moldova. And I went to Transnistria, too, which is uh, in 
a non inter internationally non-recognized country. It's like a war zone, basically. It's it's not that bad. But yeah, the country. I'm sure there's a lot of guys in this chat. Listen, the country that I live in. If you want a female, you need to go to Eastern Europe, because America. In America, on Tinder, my friend has Tinder. Maybe maybe one out of 20 girls on Tinder, at least where I'm at, is like worth having sex with. Where I live over in Europe, my friend over there that has Tinder, nine out of 10 girls on Tinder are either nines or tens, okay? And then the 10th girl is like an eight. They're all smoking hot. It's crazy, the difference. When I go out to a cafe over there, I go out to the cafe, I sit down, I get out of my computer, I start doing my metric stuff like, you know, moving plants around because I'll do that over there for this girl here. And say my buddy will call me. As soon as they hear me start speaking English, literally the girls in the cafe take turns walking up to me to try and talk to me in English. Like it's, it's the complete opposite as it is in the U.S. with guys and girls. My buddy came over and visited me a little over a year ago. I'm like, I had to talk him into him. I like, just come over for three weeks and visit. He came over a, a little over a year ago. He came to visit me in this country and he never moved back. He's now, he now has a house there. He lives there. He's got a smoking hot girlfriend who's a couple months pregnant and he's just living the dream over there. Like it's so different than America. So if any of any guys want a girlfriend, or like a good woman, go to Eastern Europe. I, I, I gather that's probably pretty, pretty true. Uh, I've never been that way myself, but, you know, I do watch a little TV. So... Are there any other avenues besides cannabis that you are your your interests lie in? Or are you you pretty much balls in on just cannabis? Um, what as far as like business ideas or just hobbies? Because I guess that's Either kind or. of both for me. Either or. Uh, well. You know, right now I'm not really into cannabis. Like when I'm over in Europe, I'm just living the life over there, having fun. Um, like I said before, I'd really like to do something with mushrooms. I think that'd be fun. I've considered doing like a microgreen farm over there. And uh, maybe some sort of grow equipment, even if it's just like a little, you know, something small, just something that would work really well that, that I could, that would really improve a grow. I'd like to do something with that. I'm thinking about, well, I've already started. I haven't applied for the business license, but I, I'm getting advisors, people that are in the philanthropy, that have done philanthropy before, because I'm trying to set up a nonprofit corporation to help with orphans over in Eastern Europe. And I thought about like trying to raise some money in the US to help fund my project over there. But one thing I'm trying to work on in its very early stages is a company that helps orphans, kids that are living orphanages over in, in Eastern Europe. So I, I wouldn't profit anything from it. In fact, 
if anything, I would be like donating a certain amount to this business every year to help it get started. But then trying to like raise funds to help these kids because, you know, they've got some pretty bad lives. And I know it's like, well, so do American kids too. But the fact of the matter is I'm over there and my money can go a lot further with helping them. So that's one thing I'm, I'm pretty passionate about and working on. It's just still in the early stages. Like it might be a couple of years out before I can even get that, you know, fully up and going. But that's one thing. Um, other than that, like so, just hobbies, I don't do much. So with that being said, I mean, have you ever thought about taking, you know, we, we talked about a couple of different things tonight. So have you ever considered about taking a section of one of your grows and producing some seeds and then taking, you know, portions because you've already got space in and up, up, you know, up and running grow, you wouldn't have to set up another grow. And, you know, seeds, as we've already discussed, you can make a lot of seeds in a little bit of space. Have you ever thought about, you know, making some strains and uh, taking all proceeds to charity? You know what I mean? To fund that, that dream that you're talking there. You know, all, you know, seeds for sustainability or something like that. All proceeds go to charity. That's the kind of shit people could really get behind, you know, even if they were never going to grow out the strain, they would. I'm sure people would buy a bag just to throw in the drawer just because it went to the right place. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I never thought of that. You know, with all the seeds I have right now, if I had like a seed sorter, like, a, you know, the, the fan that blows up and separates the seeds, I could probably get like maybe at least 100 or 200,000 seeds. I could make some 50 packs and I could just like take donations for those. Can I, can I ship seeds in the U.S.? I could just say, like, you know, I'd yeah, sell them for seeds. maybe $50 a pack or something like that and say all proceeds go yeah, to you the, can, the Seeds charity. are legal. To, yeah, seeds are legal to ship everywhere here in the United States now. You know? I, hell, I, I send them everywhere, to be honest with you. Really? I send them, I've sent them everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't have no problems in shipping. Not at all here in the United States. Yeah, that might be a good idea because these seeds that I have, you know, it's not like I did a lot of work on them. I'm not a breeder. I just did one cross. But the fact of the matter is I've germinated a lot of them or I've germinated about 50 that I like. I have about 50 different phenos of moms right now. And I've given a lot of them out to friends that grew them. And I've seen them grow outdoors only and they were all really good. So, you know, without stabilizing these i mean i could i could probably just say hey guys i did this cross i'm not a breeder but this is what i got i could sh show some videos or pictures of the buds that i got or the plants growing and say you know i'm selling these seeds or seeds are free just donate some money or something like that to my new charity that's a good idea yeah yeah for sure and i i definitely think you know, the cannabis community is always looking for good things to get behind. And there's so many things that people are wasting their money on, to be honest with you. I see, every time I see these, shoe, these shows with the super chats and shit, I'm like, man, things are tight. Save your fucking money. But for I, I guarantee, with the as they would like to support their same shows, they would like to put money into things that they know are good. 
and I think without a doubt people would get behind like a seeds for charity type thing to where they knew if it went for kids or helping out something hell yeah I I, I 100% know that the community would jump on that yeah but it might be you know if I can get around to sorting the seeds I've got these little uh, joint tubes. I could just probably, you know, just do simple packaging. I have the tubes to put like joints in. I could just put some seeds in there and then put some cotton down in there to hold them tight and just ship those around, I guess. I don't need to do fancy packaging because it'll be about, you know, proceeds rather than making it cool and profiting money off of it. That's a good idea. I'm going to have to think about that. It's just take, take, finding the time because I'm so lazy, like, what I got to go out there and sort all these seeds. I either got to build a little machine, you know, a little box to separate them. I got to buy a seed counter or I got to pay someone to do it, or I got to do it by hand. I mean, I could do it. It's just all them be, things, be quite a bit of work. All them things I see is like once you're going to have to make that seed separator once you're going to have to yeah. buy that counter once, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then from there, it's a setup system. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's a lot of fun in making the like disorder and stuff. You know, I don't know. I I enjoy, you know, farting around making some stuff. They're easy. They're, easy. they're actually pretty cheap to buy. You can buy one fairly cheap online as well. A seed counter. Yeah, counters and uh, the separators both. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe I should Technology. make that a mission for when I come back here in June. I could buy those online so they're here when I get back in June, and then I could separate them out and package them up. Again, again, if you think about it this way, uh, Medicrapper, most of the market right now is F1s anyway, sadly, but true. Really? You know what I mean? There's the, oh, yeah, the market's flooded with F1s flooded with f1s but uh yeah i don't think you would have a problem and i think people would jump on that for sure for sure absolutely 100 and it's like you said you already have some available <laughs> you already yep. have some available so that would get things rolling and then you could always just kind of take off with the dream now make a couple of new crosses along the way hell you might even come up up come along the way come up with a many cropper straight just strain of your own something that you're so passionate about you just want to put your name on that's kind of arrogant but maybe i could do something like that Why not? You got to build up. When you're doing this for a reason, why not have a legacy? Why not leave something behind? You know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I feel like I already have, I, I don't know if it's true, but I feel like I have some, some people think I'm, I'm kind of arrogant. So I try to make it a point that when I do things, I don't, don't come across that way. Like, I don't want to have that type of reputation, you know? So... But yeah, I could, I could always just have like one string. Why not? I, yeah, why not? Snoop Dogg, every other, you know, there's plenty of people putting their names on something. Uh, I, 
I don't see why even even hesitate. Sounding talking with you tonight, you you even if somebody thought you were arrogant, if they would take two seconds to sit down and listen to you, your heart's obviously in the right place. So I, I don't see the, I don't see or hear the arrogance uh, tonight at all in in you. <laughs> to be honest with you, you sound like an amazing guy with your heart in the right place. And there's nothing wrong with uh, you know believing in yourself and having a can-do attitude. It's fucking that's how shit gets done. You know what yeah. I mean? There's nothing arrogant about that at all. I appreciate you, my friend. I appreciate everything you've done in the cannabis industry. You've left a hell of a mark already. Yeah, I should probably get going soon. What time is it? It's after 11? Yeah, you, we went above and beyond the mark that you uh, you told me you would give me. And I can't thank you enough, man. It's been an honor, seriously. And this is this is not blowing up any smoke up your ass, uh, but this is very true. When I set out to do this and I had like a, a dream list of people that I'd like to get on the show, you were definitely high on the list. And tonight, today, I get to cross cross that one off, but in hopes that uh, I can get you back sometime to, to do this again because, man, it's been a great night. And I know I've enjoyed this. I know my community has enjoyed this. Or the cannabis community in general. I shouldn't say my community. The cannabis community in general has enjoyed this. And, uh, man, it's been an honor. Huge honor for you to take the time in doing this, man. I greatly, greatly thank you. More than you know. Yeah, and you know what? I had, I had a fun time chatting with you and being on the show. And your chat, I've been reading it pretty much the whole time. And everyone in chat was like super cool and nice and showed a lot of love and there wasn't drama going on. So I really like that. This is, it was fun hanging out here tonight for sure. A couple of things I'd like to say to you before you go is uh, there's a couple of aspects of the show. One of them is I did tell you that every night the show does go from 1130 to usually 420. And if the if we the spotlight guest doesn't take us all the way down to 420, which rarely happens anymore, then I the show takes off with like a second shift show, and that's the wormhole, and that's open to pass all, all past guests. It's a like interchanging panel night to night, whoever wants to pop in. But uh, that's you're no different than anybody else. The invitation is way open to you. Please keep this Zoom link because that it's always the same. The meeting numbers are always the same. And if you're ever here in the United States or wherever and you're bored and happen to be checking out the channel and would like to pop on and make a bunch of people's nights by coming on and saying hello and smoking with us, please take that time. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than it, taking, a, taking a moment and smoking with the legend. So... Uh, that would be pretty awesome if you just kind of popped in at any time. Don't feel like you need an invitation. Just, you know, you know how to get here. Doors are always open. Uh, so I'd like to offer that open invitation to you. And then the other thing I'd like to get from you is I do this old school corny radio soundbite type thing that I use kind of for advertisements. 
So it could basically go something like this. In my words, it'd be like, hey, this is Eagle Gardens, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 335. Check it out. You can add whatever whatever you want to it. Make it your own, but that's pretty much what I'm looking for. So at any time, I'm recording. If you could be so gracious to give me that, I would greatly appreciate it. Okay, so you need me, you need me to, to, do, to do a sound bite? It says, yes, sir. I'm on your show, episode 335. Well, you don't have to, but I, I'd like to. I will, but what else do you want me to say? Okay, just, just for just the guys that are, in, that are in chat, and I told Eagle this before we started the show, I'm, I haven't been back in the U.S. for very long, and where I came from is 11 hours time difference, so it's basically opposite. So I've been going to bed like really early in the evening, and I usually get up at like 4 in the morning. So it's 11.22 p.m. This is the latest I've stayed up in a long time. So I'm really tired. Otherwise, I'd hang out longer. Like, I would have no problem hanging out. Not till 4.20, but at least for a couple more hours. I'm just, I got to get up at 5 because I got people coming into work at 5. And I'm already super tired as it is. So uh, thanks, everyone, for, you know, hanging out while I'm on here. I just wish I could stay longer, but I do got to get to sleep. So Eagle, you want me to say um, I'm on fucking talking shit with eagle episode 335 and then what else do you want me to say whatever you want check it out basically all all you need to say is maybe just hey this is many cropper i'm on fucking talking shit with eagle episode 335 if you want to add something else to it you can if you don't want to that's it's all good it's your it's your advertisement make it your own Okay, I'm I'm not feeling creative because I'm so tired right now. So I don't I, I won't add anything to it, but I'll still I'll try and get it right for you. Okay. What's up, everybody? I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode three thirty five. This is Medi Cropper. Was that good enough? That was excellent. Thank you, okay. my friend. And I and again, don't feel <laughs> bad at all for the time that ah, it's been an honor. I I, I didn't. Every one of us, I'm sure, is grateful for the amount of time we've gotten. And uh, to get anything more than this, I think, would just be greedy. <laughs> so thank you very much. Hopefully, when you come back another time, uh, please hit me up, and maybe we can uh, do a check-in when you come back next time. Yeah, or maybe maybe I'll hit up your, your show from Europe, because since I'm 11 hours time difference, your 4.20 in the morning is like, that's like uh, 3.20 in the afternoon, my time. So there you maybe, go. maybe on my lunch break one day, I'll just jump on. It'll be like, you know, one in the morning your time. Who knows? We'll see. That'd be amazing. That would be completely amazing. Hell yeah. All right. Well, yeah, well, once again, chat was super cool. Everyone's nice in chat. Thanks, everyone, for coming in to the show and listening to me ramble on. And thanks for inviting me onto the show, Eagle. I, I really had a lot of fun tonight. Thank you. And you have you have a good time and uh, good luck over there in Europe. And uh, take care of that family. Family first. Yeah. Brother. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Medi Cropper. Medi Cropper. Can you believe that? 101, 111 watching right now. That's pretty amazing. Always them angel numbers. What a good sign. 
Wow, what a great episode. What a great night. I hope you guys have enjoyed this Monday evening. You guys know the routine. Get ready for the wormhole. I'll see you in 15 minutes. But those of you who aren't going to travel along to the wormhole, please have a great night. You know the deal. Please try to do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. One living, breathing example of that. Have a great week. I'll see you in.